Yeah, this is your macho Michael King here to tell you that we got a special episode of the Playing With Power podcast. We're looking at issue 35 with my buddy and my co-host Hulk Hoban. Yeah, brother. <laughs> We've been hearing a lot of smack about all these other podcasters who think they know what they're talking about. Chris Hardwick, I say Chris Hardly a podcaster. The RPG show, I say the no show. Is it worth it? Only if it's talking about me. So, we look here and we see where can we find the best issues of Nintendo Power. Right here on the Playing With Power podcast. Ooh, yeah, tell him, brother. What you gonna do when the playing with power runs over you? Nothing, because that's all you can do. Hey, what's up, jabronis? This is the Playing With Power podcast, and as you might could tell, we have the <laughs> Super WrestleMania <laughs> game on the cover for volume 35 from, I think this is April of 1992. And I am your host, Ben, and with me as always is my co-host, Mike. Yo! And again, Playing With Power is an issue-by-issue retrospective about Nintendo Power magazine, and we have a very special guest with us calling from uh, pretty much all the way across the world. This is our first international guest, and our first guest that has actually worked for um, the Gameplay Counselors. So welcome, uh, Llewellyn, to the show. Nintendo Gameplay, this is Llewellyn. How can I help you today? (laughs) Yeah, so I wanted to dig in. Uh, we had talked a little bit before we officially got started here. How did uh, how did you get started uh, working for uh, Nintendo? Well, like almost all the gameplay counselors, I was hired as a temporary agent in about January of 1990. And then after they determined that, you know, you're not a complete drug fiend and that you can <laughs> answer the questions and You're whatnot, a functioning drug fiend. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, um, you can handle your high. You can you can handle your high. Um, then <laughs> not, then they not Charlie they Sheen you. level though, right? Hopefully, no, 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 uh, no. Tiger those, blood. No, no. Those okay. those people were made leads. If, if you were Charlie Sheen. Oh, okay. Leads, uh, I see. So um, anyway, my my first day actually, they didn't have time to get us into training on the very first day, so they actually had us cleaning controller wires with alcohol on our first day. Interesting. Um, I had actually applied to work as the as the very first round of gameplay counselors in nineteen eighty eight and hmm. um, went in and actually I was the only person who came who actually brought um, uh, manuals on how to play the games with them and hmm. the other the other applicants were very jealous. But I, I wasn't hired probably because I was a snot nosed kid and <laughs> was pretty arrogant about my Nintendo prowess. And How old were you when you first applied in 1988? Uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was 23 in 88, okay. and then when they hired me uh, two years later after I'd been homeless and my wife had left me, um, and I had been forced to live in Portland, Oregon, um, <laughs> then I was, I was 25 at that point. Oh Actually, my god, this was, your, this was your pursuit of happiness, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with yes. This was my pursuit of happiness, and hmm. uh, this this led to other jobs at Wizards of the Coast and Microsoft and Nordstrom's and uh, a lot of other a lot of other great jobs. And then obviously now I work for the government, and um, so 
an actual career with the Pentium. Oh, sweet. Sweet. So you were you were obviously a Nintendo fan before uh, you you applied. Oh sure, I remember um, playing in Seattle in the arcades in the early '80s. There was the big arcade was Ivory's, and everybody. I, I still have very clear memories of the first time anyone made it to the Pie Factory level on um, the, uh, the Mario Brothers game. Um, hmm. That was that was yeah, the one that was just released there. I think on eighty one or so. And Kim Jackson always had the lead, but I was always trying to to get up on him as well and get get those high scores. But no, I've been playing Nintendo games since mm-hmm. um, Radar, you know, the the Radar Runner game and mm-hmm. the, the Super Mario Brother, or the uh, Donkey Kong games. So, right. yeah. and and you know yeah. the fact that they're located in Redmond is it makes it easy as well. Yeah, you're in the area. So was it like a typical um, call center where just like, you know, people in sort of cube, you know, cubicles with head with the headset things on answering well, phone calls? Or was it different I, than what you normally would expect? Uh, I'm going to direct you right to The Wizard, which I assume you've discussed at some point. The movie? The movie. The movie. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Um, that we, we, talk, is, we talk about the clan all the time. Yeah, that is pretty much the way the... The way they showed it was pretty much the way it was. You each had your individual cubicle. And this was really before uh, networked computers, so we all had our green binders. I, I still have my green binders. That pretty much you, you turn to take, whatever page. Could you take a picture and send it to us so we can put it up on the Facebook? <laughs> have, have you been a good boy? Because that's definitely oh. the talking to Santa Claus voice you've got going on there. Yeah. Hey, you're my, hey, he you're, you're the bearded guy that delivers. Okay, so you are my Santa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Last yeah. Too. Just don't don't let me forget. I'm happy to take a picture of my sweet. Um, so yeah, it was you know pretty much your your typical. You had your teams of about ten to fifteen call center employees. There would be uh, a lead, a team lead, and then like a, a deputy team lead. And those are the ones who didn't have to be on the phone very much, and they would monitor people. Um, then you had. Um, not everybody, but most people would have like a job that would take them off the floor for a little while, and those were those were bre- those were precious jobs because you, you weren't answering the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know you might be uh, the, the the job that didn't get you anything, but was a popular one was being in charge of the, the library. Guys would come over and go, "Hey, I need to check out Nobunaga's Ambition. I need to check out um, Squoon, for example," which I was like the only person who ever played Squoon. Um, okay, or we got to put a we got to put a pin in that. What was Squoon? Yeah, we're still we, trying to we, figure out what the hell it was based on the, the advertisement in the Fun Club. Oh, you, you it's guys a mystery. Haven't we need Squ- solved. You haven't, you haven't played Squoon yet. No. Um, Squoon was this weird game where sometimes you were a destroyer and sometimes you were a, a submarine, and you were just you know this typical left to right scroller where you were trying to destroy the the other one, whether it be a submarine or a destroyer, and there would be little fish that would get in the way and get points for that or whatnot. Sometimes um, people would escape from the submarine and the destroyer would have to pick them up. I don't think it was a destroyer so much, it was, it was just the the fishing vessel above you. So um, it's, one, it's a game you don't know because for lots of good reasons, it's not a very good game. <laughs> it was one of the first and, you know, it, it it makes Duck Hunt look like the Matrix. Kind of wow. Okay. I, I experienced the same thing like that. I found this uh, place I got to talk about in Ottawa called Caffeine One Up. 
it's a uh, it's a just a gamer cafe where you get a coffee and you can just play some Nintendo games all, like video games all the way from the NES to a Steam machine to PlayStation 1 2 and you got uh, a Wii U on the other end it's uh-huh. just like a like any game you want and there's like a massive cabinet and one of them was this game I never heard of and all the times we've been reading these issues called Trog and it had a caveman on the cover but it was like one eye like Leela from Futurama uh-huh. so I put it in and me and my buddy, it was just, you walk around, like, it's like a dinosaur-themed Pac-Man. <laughs> okay, let me interrupt you right there and ask you the important question. Um, mm. Did it have the Nintendo seal of quality? Because if it didn't have the gold seal, it was not a licensed product. And I'm sorry, I just can't support you, but if you want to call the <laughs> developer, maybe they can give you some advice. <laughs> so awesome. we would get that We would get that a lot. Um, you know, does it have the seal of quality on it? And I won't, you know... If you want to do a, um, so you're talking about like the Tengen games, the Tengen. Yeah, ones? if you want to talk about Tengen, if you want to talk about the, I can't even remember the name of it now, but the the thing you would put your cartridge in and then put the with that game in, genie. Yeah, if you want to talk about the game genie, that's a whole podcast by itself because um, <laughs> there's a lot of history there, and you know we, we get there. But anyway, so back to your question about what it was like. Yeah, some of the games you could get off the phones would be being a trainer. I was a trainer for a while. Um, being in charge of the, checking out the, the library of games, and and uh, I was I was. We also had um, a section that did letters. They would respond to paper letters. That was their correspondence team. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also had some French and Spanish speaking gameplay counselors who could answer questions when those came in. And then I did the, um, I was trained in the, the hands-free controller, which is the nice way of talking about the... So how often did you get, uh, how often did you get, uh, stumped and like you didn't have like an answer in your green binder handy? Did that happen often? Oh, that happened all the time. No, no, that's, that's pretty common. Either it was a, a question that you knew the answer off the top of your head, which was, you hit him on the head three times. How do you defeat him? You jump on his head three times. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you shoot him in the eye with the silver arrow three times. Uh, if you want to know where to go, go up into the left. Um, it doesn't matter what game we're playing, you go up into the left. Um, but, you know, when you get stumped, you, you'd be like, um, no, that's really interesting. Hang on, let me just check here. And you check your green binder. After about a year after I was there, we developed something we called ELMO. I can't remember what ELMO stands for, but it basically was a Wikipedia that we used that would have the most common questions on certain games. And so people would get assigned, all right, hey, um, you know, Steve, you need to play this all the way through so you can answer questions and you can put them on ELMO and we can share them. So um, we didn't realize that that would actually destroy our, our careers in, what was it, 2007, I think? Um, and you know, you also might go, well, hang on, let me ask a friend of mine who's played that more recently than I have. And you put him on hold and you look at the next guy and go, have you any idea what this means? And like, <laughs> um, so sometimes we'd have to call the people back, but that was calling somebody back was like once every six months, uh, putting them on hold and asking somebody else, and that's like once a day. <laughs> cool. Did you ever get like uh, impressed by uh, questions that people asked or? Or was it mostly just kind of like, eh, this is annoying? No, it was pretty annoying. Um, <laughs> you know, we, it, we, it, uh, it involved kids, come on. 
Well, it didn't always involve kids. Sometimes it, um, it would involve adults who would be asking kid-like questions. Um, so, you know, we had one guy, he called up after the SNES was released, and he's trying to play F-Zero, and he says, my entire family become nauseous every time we play it on our big screen TV. Is your family susceptible to motion sickness? Yes, yes, we are. Okay, there's the problem. Um, <laughs> so when I when I joined, I joined as a gameplay counselor, and there were also customer service reps to this. And then after a while, they realized that sometimes the customer service reps would be busy, and the gameplay counselors would be dead, and vice versa. So they started a program where you could become a super agent by being cross trained in, in both ways. And so once I became a super agent, I was answering more of the customer service phone calls. And you would get people, they called like, yeah, I can't work the television. Uh, my Nintendo won't, won't show up. Like, well, okay, let's, let's walk you through it. Um, you know, the first question you always ask is, how is the television getting power? Uh, through the coax. <laughs> no, no, you have to plug the power cord into the wall. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Um, so that was not an uncommon question. I, wow. I bet you had a I bet you had a code for them called the twelve o'clock flasher because every <laughs> appliance in their house is always flashing twelve. <laughs> no, we we would just yeah. We, 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 I didn't have any special code. Now every um, so you get a call and they want to track what calls are are trending. They want to track what what games are trending in the call center. So they can adjust marketing whatnot. So you would enter the wrap up code for a certain call. That would be, you know, it's an it's it's a um, a wizardry call, or it's a call about Final Fantasy two. So you'd enter the Final Fantasy two call and then hit the button, and that would tell the computer, that would tell the phone system what what system, what question you were answering. Not specifically on the game, mm. but specifically on what machine. Um, and you were only allowed to spend less than five percent of your time um, in wrap up which is to say not answering a phone call, most of your time you had to be there waiting for a phone call. About 5% of your time could be spent in wrap-up, waiting, trying to figure out something, or going to the bathroom or whatever. Hmm. Boy, thank God they didn't have those wireless headsets back in the day or else even the bathroom wouldn't have been your safe haven. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to... Nintendo Power, how can I help you? <laughs> All right, let's keep this clean because I'm going to have friends who are going to listen to this. <laughs> Fair enough. So, speaking of friends, did you make any friends while working there? Have you kept in touch with anybody? Well, um, there's still a few few people I know who are there. I I think they would think of me as a slightly lost acquaintance. Um, and of course, you know, as I mentioned, there was one of my ex girlfriends who works there. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, sometimes when I'm playing a, a Wii U game, I'll see somebody's name, the localization or whatnot. Um, and I'll go, oh, I, I remember that guy. Um, but mostly no, um, you know, I, as I mentioned before, did not have good socialization skills. And so burned through a, a fair number of friends while working there. Um, and you know, we were all, we were all really well paid for that day and, um, you know, we, we would get ragingly drunk at the Christmas parties and, you know, say, and these were blowout. We would rent an entire hotel, uh, ballroom complex. And there would be, um, you know, all you can eat Sunday bar and the whiskey bar was all you could drink. And there would be food and Minora Arakawa and, you know, game designers, they would bring in stand up, 
arcade machines for us to play, and it was, you know, it was a blowout there. God, this is like I, Willy Wonka's factory. It, it really, when they fired me, I really felt like I'd been kicked out of paradise. Um, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was. It was wonderful, and of course, now it was so long ago that all I remember mm-hmm. is the good stuff. But I was making thirteen bucks an hour, which in nineteen ninety wow. was was really good money. Um, yeah. That's by the way, that's uh, ninety three dollars an hour Canadian for our Canadian friends. Um, <laughs> And all six, then, all six of our Canadian listeners. <laughs> and the week between Christmas and New Year's, which was, of course, Golden Week, that's, you know, the, the big time for us. Um, as a Japanese corporation, they count that week as, as that's up in Japan all holiday. So you you get your holiday pay. So you mm. don't have to come to work. Obviously, at Nintendo, you have to come to work that week. So right. you're getting your holiday pay, you're getting your straight pay, then you're getting uh, you're getting actually time and a half because it should be a holiday. So you're getting two and a half times your normal pay. That's awesome, it, dude! It I am was, so friggin' jealous. This it is. was really awesome. And when I joined there, there was no question or a concept of here's the budget for the call center. It was just we have this many calls, we need to pay this many people to answer those right. calls. Um, we have a Christmas party. We need to have this much money set aside for Christmas party because this is how many people are going to show up. Um, mm-hmm. And so what got me into trouble is I'd never had a job for this long. I was there for two and a half years. I, they hired me in January and they fired me in November of, of 1991. And I had never had a job for that long. And so at the end of the calendar year, you could cash in your sick and vacation pay. You know, hey, I didn't take a vacation. You can just give me $13 an hour for this, you know, however many 40, 50, 60 hours of vacation pay and your sick pay. So I worked in a very high-stress environment for two years and never took a day off. Wow. Um, Man, I'm a, so, that gets your college taken care of. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're 25. You're saving all your money for college. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, no, you're paying off your college. Right. Oh, no, I actually didn't go to college until I was 35. Oh, okay. Yeah. So did you actually save it for college? <laughs> oh, God, no, no. I, I, I lived say. in this really palatial no, that kept them alive until college. Yeah, yeah, kept me alive until college. No, I actually lived in a um, uh, really nice condo in downtown Seattle, the first new condo that had been built, the first new housing that had been built in downtown Seattle for like 20 or 30 years. Um Went to the Pike Place Market for breakfast every morning and pretty much lived the life of lived the life of Riley. So nice. Well, that kind of answers my question. I always wondered if the call center was was designed to be like a profit center or if it just sort of started out as, "Hey, we're getting a lot of phone calls. Let's just hire more people for this." And that's well, kind of what it sounds like, you know. Remember, they were really even today still very much a family company. Minoru um, mm-hmm. uh, Arakawa, he got put in charge of Nintendo of America because he married, um, you know, the, uh, the owner's daughter. So that was mm-hmm. his, you know, he, he got, he got America. We always joked that if one of us married Mr. Arakawa's daughter, who was like, like 22 at the time, that we would get like Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo of Massachusetts. Here you go. You married my daughter. You can have Massachusetts now. Um, but no, they very much wanted to take care of us. It was, we were all considered to be, you know, members of the members of the team, members of the, the family. And remember this was just a regular two oh six telephone number. This was not long 
This was long distance, but it was not a 900 number. It was not an 800 number. It was just mm -hmm. a phone call. So if you were lucky enough to be a Nintendo fanatic in the Seattle area, you could call us as much as you want for free. And those are the calls that would drive us crazy because there's no reason for them not to keep you on the phone as long as possible. But if, you know, that's you're calling from Newfoundland, um, that's going to be an expensive call that's back fantastic. today. So, um, but no, there was no thought of making it a, a profit center in any way. We, we make so much money. Oh my God. Nintendo mm -hmm. was a license to print money. Even Sega, you know, they, they kind of kept us honest, but it was, it was no thought of them not making us tons of money at any time. <laughs> Interesting. So, did you have any uh, really heavy repeat callers that you remember, or weird people that would continuously call you, call you up? No, I, I don't have any of those because I worked um, uh, four tens. I worked four ten-hour days, mm -hmm. so and those kind of floated around a bit. Um, but there were some people who would call pretty regularly. Um, sometimes you get people who I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe they had the phone number written down next to the phone because they had trouble remembering nine or ten old digits of phone numbers, um, and they would need a little extra help. Um, mm. Also, we had a lot of people who were pretty drunk at the time, so you know, you get together <laughs> and you're like, "Oh Dude, man, I don't I'm have gonna... time to figure out how to harvest or make an alliance in Nobunaga." Is like, <laughs> just freaking tell me and I'll do it. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's much more like you know we're. we're Playing Mike Tyson's punch out. I swear to God, I heard that there's a way to make him drop his shorts. What is it? You got to tell me. <laughs> um, so we got a lot a of. To make, is there a way to make the Tetris pieces fall up? <laughs> no, no. Uh, we actually did. The whole negative world thing, we didn't believe the negative world thing until somebody was able to show it to us. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we had we had a few regular calls again. Mostly people who were living in the in the Seattle Tacoma area who it was a free phone call. Hmm. It's did funny you... that you mentioned the negative world because I remember we were we uh, we did a little dip in the past, and we found the Nintendo Fun Club era newsletters. Where yeah. I don't know if it was Louis Reviewy, which come on, tell us was Louis Reviewy Howard. Uh, okay, if you want to talk about Howard, I still have Howard's nameplate. When he abandoned us and went down to um, uh, Lucas, Lucas Arts, Arts. Um, yeah, I, I came across Howard um, in Cafe Mario, which really was Cafe Mario. I came across Howard in Cafe Mario one day, and he's looking at this piece of paper, he's holding up the line, he's turning it sideways, he's blowing on it. I'm like, Howard, what are you doing? I got this letter. It's a secret map to the Lucas Ranch. I'm trying to figure it out. Do you have any lemons? I want to rub lemon juice on it. This this it's 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 coded. It's it's I have to figure out how this works. Um, <laughs> they must have been hazing him or something. That's fantastic. Uh, well, I, I mean, the the sad thing is that you know um, Howard was working the line in the packing. He was just working the packing line, and one of our marketing people were walking by, going, "That's the goofiest looking guy I've ever seen. He's going to be perfect. He's the face of Nintendo." You, what's your name? Howard Phillips. Come with us. Um, and so Howard had very little game playability as far as I can tell. Um, he was a really nice guy. Um, he just thought that when marketing put him at the face of Nintendo, that he really was like, you know, the game master. 
Um, and so I think he lasted like less than six months at, at Skywalker. Um, mm-hmm. And he was not really able to help them develop their games the way they had hoped. And, you know, they were doing the um, Maniac Mansion. This was right after Maniac Mansion came out. We were all really impressed with what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, working at Nintendo is great. Working at Skywalker Ranch is even better. Mm-hmm. So... Because um, Star Wars. Because <laughs> Star Wars, exactly. Right. So, and that was when there were still not many Star Wars games going around. So the idea that you could help design a game where you could fly, fly an X-Wing or a TIE Fighter is like, you know, that's that's the heroin right there that we've all oh, yeah, looked right. for. So Lucas Howard's power... Yeah, LucasArts made so many games that even weren't Star Wars that were great, like Zombies Ain't My Neighbors. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Sky, Sky Troopers? Or something where you uh, you're like the one person who can fight off an alien invasion. Yeah, uh, like they, they made so many games, didn't they? Do yeah. Grim Fandango? Yeah, they did Grim Fandango, yeah. and there was an island one that was really good too. Um, but yeah, um, I would say that some unnamed gameplay counselor was probably pulled off the line um, and given a list of questions and then told to answer them. That's how a lot of these things work. And we oh, were we thankful. We're like, oh, God, I don't have to be on the phones? Excellent. So as far as, you mean like the gameplay counselor profiles, you mean? No, no. I mean, you were asking about um, the reviewer. Um, oh, in, right. Well, the yeah. well, there was a guy, Louis Reviewy. Louis Reviewy. So I was just uh, like, we, we're pretty sure that's Howard. but No, it, it wouldn't have been Howard. Um, Howard Howard didn't actually, Howard just played games all day. So he didn't. He might he he would play games. He would test games. He would help localize games. Uh, have mm-hmm. you guys talked about localization at all? A little uh, bit. I think I think we have mentioned yeah. uh, Ted Woolsey when we were talking about Final Fantasy II. We were talking about like the famous Woolseyism, where uh, Tella is attacking uh, Edward, but instead of saying "you bastard" from the Japanese one, he's like "you spoony bard." <laughs> yeah, I really regret Earthbound never came out. That was that was going to be a great great game or mother is it what they called it but a lot yeah, of us would saw, oh yeah we oh yeah this is something that pissed us off we saw several counselors who said like their favorite game was mother mm-hmm. and we were just like you cocksuckers we know it never came <laughs> out here you got advanced copies i yeah i had an eprom copy that i got from uh, jane actually jane hacker who's in my issue of nintendo power which is volume 27 for those kids to keep back at home and um beat me to it <laughs> she was she was dating uh, a guy in the research department and so she got an epom copy of earthbound and it was i mean it wasn't like groundbreaking but it was the idea that you would deliberately put in malaparisms and, and funny things that was so it was so was it translated or did you have to learn japanese um well no they would translate it for you and then you turn it back into English. Um, so you know some of the some of the people in Japan would be pretty good English speakers. So but you you'd need to literally localize it so that it sounded more like it was American and less like it was a Japanese person speaking. Yeah. Because uh, okay. it yeah, cuz it is supposed to take place in like an American type town. So you think that like whoever designed it like their their dialogue, would they have to be very familiar with American uh, terms, you know, like father knows best, or uh, just like uh, that, just that culture. 
And yeah, well, no, but remember that they're they're originally designing it for the Japanese market, and they don't want Americanisms. They want what Japanese people think Americanisms are. So it's yeah. it's it's a subtle distinction. But, but we always our it's dream a beautiful was, distinction, which leads to some. Uh, well, it, yeah, that that same attitude got translated in Earthbound too. So yeah. now you said EEPROM. Can you, uh, for the viewers that may not know what that is, can you uh, describe what that is? Of course. Um, let's say that you, I don't know why you want to do this, but let's say that you got bored one day and you took your cartridge apart. And, you know, you see your standard green board, electronic board there. So um, they would ship from Japan um, little chips, maybe the size of your thumb. And then in the U.S., we would solder them onto a standard controller board, uh, standard you know, game, game pack board. And then... Sometimes you'd have to cut a hole in it to make room. And then we would just solder that on there, and so you could play a different game than normal. Oh, so it was that. a region. So the EEPROM was a, a region unlocking chip? No, no, the EEPROM would be the actual game software. But they would just send oh. us the chip as, a, as opposed to sending us the whole board, because, you know, we have lots of boards here. Sure. Huh. So the boards would be the same pretty much, except for maybe the size of the hole for where that goes, and you just swap out the EEPROM in order to play it. Yeah, what I about mean, the that's whole the... MMC2, MMC3 stuff? What do you mean? Oh well, well, one is uh, one has the date on it, but the MMC would be the, oh, the, oh, the graphics oh. capability chip for layering and the ability yeah, I, to go left <laughs> i i'm sorry to tell you gentlemen but for for questions like that i'm going to have to refer you to the experts that's not an area in which i knew anything um, so you know i i pretty much finished 1500 games and that's what i'm known for i did not get involved in the, the research development or testing i i know that so a lot did of you do this did you do the soldering? no 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 i didn't do anything <laughs> like that all i did was sit on my ass and and Nintendo for 10 hours a day while answering <laughs> questions as slowly as I possibly could. So right. they had like so they had blank cartridges there that you could just put the uh, the game chip in. Um, okay, we're getting we're we're drifting far from where I know anything about, but they're not blank <laughs> cartridges. You just take a duck hunt, you cut it open, and then you you slap on, you take out something, and then you put something else in there um, that is a programmable chip. But you know, I, I would not take my word for any of this. <laughs> Don't try us at home, kids, in other words. Yeah. Exactly. And and for God's sakes, don't blow on your cartridges to get them to work again. All you're doing is getting moisture on the contacts, which will rust them out. And don't use Q-tips either, because Q-tips will, in fact, get little cotton threads in the contacts, and that will get them worse as well. Take your game to an authorized Nintendo uh, <laughs> retailer or repair center and they will mail it to us or you can buy the Nintendo uh, entertainment system cleaning cartridge which will clean with alcohol. And, uh, it, that's actually the big change from the NES to the Super NES. When you stick the Super NES cartridge in, it goes clunk. You have to actually give it a really good push and every time you do that, you scraped the dust off of it, which made them last a lot longer. Hmm. That's fantastic. I got to, well, you wouldn't be the guy to ask, but I was just wondering, why didn't they have, like, they had top-loading NESs in Japan, 
So why did they have that whole needless downshifting entry port, which could cause disconnection or like it just um, seemed to make sense to have a stationary entry rather than like having to shift it down? Well, you remember the ROB, right? Um, yes. Guys, okay. <laughs> I remember so, all, all two games for it. Yes, there was the ROB, but there was also the the exercise mat that came with one of the Olympic games, mm -hmm. I think. Okay. Those <laughs> yeah, two the power things pad. Field map. The power pad. Those two things existed for one reason and one reason only. It wasn't a video game system. See, mm -hmm. it's a toy. It comes with a robot. Because at the time we were releasing it, 87, no one wanted to touch video games because Atari had collapsed only a couple, three years before. Mm -hmm. So they'd all been burned really hard on video game systems. So the mat, which made it an exercise system, and the robot, which made it a toy, um, and also you couldn't see the game cartridge. It was just this green box. So it's not a video game console. It is, in fact, a home entertainment system. Uh, Nintendo so. entertainment system is not for video games. So it's just it's exercise. Novelty. It's well, it's to keep it's to keep the cartridge out <laughs> of sight. It's all to trick the consumer in marketing, basically. Uh, you, well, okay, so. It was just for people. It was just for buyers at uh, large game retailers. It wasn't for the consumer. It was for buyers at game retailers. I got gotcha. you. So that's how they would stock it in their shelves and everything. Yeah, and then it became popular, and then in '88 it did well. '89 did. So tell us God. what's um, what's like the worst game you remember playing. You mean like in just terrible game? Uh, I mean. Some games just made me crazy. During your Battle time Toads. as a game counselor, you, you knew... <laughs> first one he mentions is Battletoads. Yes. Oh. I'm vindicated. I, I, I will tell you, I am the first person to finish Battletoads in North America. Oh, um, my God. Hats off to you. And I'm, and I'm assuming that somebody must have finished it in the UK where they designed it. But I was the first person in North America to finish Battletoads. And it was vicious. Um, and it's, Brutal. That that's brutal. Fighting the evil witch queen at the end, really super hard. Um, the other thing I really remember. Really <laughs> you Batman. mean you mean there's there's anything past the turbo level? <laughs> <laughs> um, Batman, where you have that, to that was my final boss. Wall jump, um, having to you jump and then while you're holding on to the wall, you have to jump again. So you have the triple jump thing going on. That was. But the thing about the bad games is that they're just not memorable. Um, you know, you mm -hmm. think that. Let's, let's take a look at my issue of Nintendo Power uh, 27, which I just happen to have in front of me here. And you look at the games that they have coming up soon. You know, the Barbie game, the Bucky O'Hare game, um, right. the Overlord game, Hook, um, Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego. Anybody remember? I mean, there's a Where's Waldo game listed here. Um, so that's fair. Now, I will tell you that there's one game mm -hmm. that we said was going to come out that was announced that they were working on Ocean was working on. It was a Twin Peaks video game. <laughs> and oh, I oh, I wanted to see uh, that. I really I wanted to really see like a backwards it. level or Here's the dream um, level. <laughs> so everything so I, is the dream level. Yeah. I call Ocean up because I can do that because I work there in Nintendo. And I say, hey, you know, I haven't heard of it. Game. I'm going from Nintendo, which is checking, uh, which is like lying. It's like, yeah, well, they can't see the show, so you can't see the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, the, the bad funny. games are the ones that don't make anybody any money. Right. So what's the so you you listed Nobunaga's Ambition as your favorite game mm-hmm. uh, in the issue? Is that still the case as far as uh, you remember for Nintendo days? I'm going to say yes, and certainly that style of game is my favorite, and that's one of the things I really regret. With um, I don't have sad but true, I'm still a Nintendo loyalist, but mm-hmm. um, I don't have a PlayStation, I don't have an Xbox, but I mm-hmm. really miss that style of games. You know. Your map-based, your empire-building games, your turn-based games. That's really what I like is the turn-based games. And we've really mm-hmm. moved pretty far from that um, in just the whole home console. And e- even, you know, your your, uh, your PC games. There's not a lot of turn-based empire-building games. They're, they're, they're out there, but they're not really a lot of them. You'd probably oh, enjoy, like, this series pretty much, I mean, it's made by Koei, which is now Tecmo Koei. They're still making games like this today. They call them uh, Dynasty Warriors Empires or uh, uh, um, what's the Japanese version? Samurai Warriors uh, Empires. Yeah. Those Orochi ones Warriors. are pretty much not not just Warriors. It has to be, say Empires on it. That's the that's the tactical <laughs> turn-based one. Uh, well, my the other ones problem, are hack and slash ones. Yeah. My real problem these days is that I live in the island of Timor, which is off the coast of Australia, and our internet is very very limited here and it's you can't really buy a cd or dvd based game it's all steam you go to steam you download the game Mm -hmm. i literally physically cannot download any game here so i'll be here for another year maybe when i leave i can you know go somewhere else but Mm -hmm. then maybe i'll want to start playing world warships and world of tanks which i really enjoy as well right well, we're thankful that Skype is at least holding out for uh, this interview. We appreciate that. <laughs> That's no problem. Um, so, um, should we dig in on the issue? Or, Mike, did you have any additional questions? Uh, I got to ask about Nobunaga's ambition because we just recently <laughs> did the uh, the taste test, and our pilot episode was featuring Nobunaga's ambition. That was a big mistake. And, yeah. Well, it was a condition for Ben to do the artwork. Yep. It's like, I'll chip in, but you got to do Nobunaga's ambition. That was right. And I, and I knew he wasn't doing me a favor. <laughs> yep. Okay. So well, I mean, we I can tell you. the game and that music. Okay. I, I can understand if you appreciate the gameplay, but was that music as grating for you as it was for me? <laughs> well, okay. Remember, there's 30 or 40 of us playing, right? And so we can't all have the music up at the same time. Also, we're all on the phone at the same time. Now, we did receive, everybody who worked there did receive, um, you know, your, your free NES and a free SNES and a free GameCube and whatnot. Uh, and then you just check games out you want to take home. Um, but rarely could we ever play the games with music up. So I can't really say about the music for Nobunaga's Ambition. <laughs> um, but, you know, 8-bit sound... Maybe you at home would, would try and get the full experience, but we're just playing the game. It's all right. We're just here to learn. Well, you can, <laughs> so. uh, for everybody who's wondering what I'm talking about, we're going to be launching the taste test very soon. And my co-host, Brandon, instead of letting me load the music in later in post, he decided I'm going to play the music on the device I'm recording with. So it go, it was as loud as possible Oh geez. because the microphone was being fed directly by the speakers, which were right next to each other. Oh, and it, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> excruciating. Listener <laughs> discretion is advised. Lovely. 
Uh, before we get to the Nintendo Power issue, I will, uh, about two-thirds of the way, I have one actually relevant story to to something in the issue, which we'll get to when we get to that page. But, oh, absolutely. Um, please uh, it is, please feel free to pitch in with yeah, the stories anytime. anytime. And, of course, like, if you're in the <clears> background of the WrestleMania the, picture, that would be great. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's... Like, hey, that's I, I'm under Hulk's ass. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think we're going to be doing that. But why don't we go ahead and take a look at the issue and, and uh, see what okay. volume 35 looks like. Yep, so we see the inspiration for my introduction. Uh, we're looking at WWF Super WrestleMania, high impact superstar action, brother, with the Hulkster uh, jumping on. What is this, Macho Man? Is, no, no, this no, is Earthquake. never looked like that. That's Earthquake. Thank you. I was wondering. Oh, who oh my Gosh. Yeah, it's earthquake. Giant of a man. So Hulk Hogan's doing a leg drop on the sky, which means you basically lay your you, you kind of do a you sit down in the air, one of your legs drops over the guy's neck kind of thing. And there's one interesting piece of this photo, which is he is apparently crushing a Super Nintendo controller in his right hand as he's dropping down and it's just exploding everywhere. <laughs> that's a nice it's like, he's hol- it's like he's holding Thor's lightning or something. Yeah, it's a nice touch. And then my favorite part of the cover is this little uh, star over here that says on the cover CD-ROM tech update. So oh yeah, stay Cause, tuned. Cause, yeah, we all we all got to enjoy that CD-ROM upgrade for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> uh, you guys understand that CD-ROM update upgrade became the PlayStation One, right? Oh yeah. yeah, we know we know about the Nintendo PlayStation. It's been making the yeah. rounds at conventions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. All right, so let's take it in. We've seen this uh, advertisement here. I wonder, I wonder if there was any counselors that were actually trained on the upcoming device or if they, like... No, not until it's released uh, or not until it's in production. Once it's in production, we get it. But we got the Super NES, I want to say almost a year before it was released, but the CD-ROM never got that close. Yeah, it's probably just in prototyping phase. And obviously, they didn't want to have Philips CDIs here in the office since it was a competitor system at some point. Hey, we're gonna, t- we're gonna, t- hey, we're gonna, <laughs> we got all these posters of Zelda and Link, and they're talking, and they only look like they've been done in MS Paint. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on in. So we've seen this uh, advertisement about unmasking the power animal. This is now probably two years old that they're still using. <laughs> it feels like it. So we'll skip on through that, and they have a nice. Uh, Big advertisement, so we're starting to see uh, Nintendo advertising their own stuff inside the magazine now instead of uh, having content. So that's <laughs> lovely. <laughs> so, Llewellyn, did you get to uh, did you get to play around with these Super Scope games? I gotta tell you, the Super Scope was the most awesome thing ever. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't think so, but just having that on your shoulder yeah. and just you know popping oh, it off. It's got and... a shoulder mount. Mm-hmm. It's got a shoulder oh, yeah. mount. An eye scope. Yeah. It's a bazooka. It's good, it, it I, is, like I said before. But it, this it's, was letting you know that you know the NES Zapper. That's like a that's like a a, a Magnum forty. It's like a Colt mm-hmm. forty five or a Magnum. This is a freaking bazooka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like, you, you realize your game. This led directly to me being unable to vote in the two thousand election for president for anyone but Ralph Nader because <laughs> Senator Lieberman pulled that out as that item out as one of his examples of why video games were dangerous for children. Um, <laughs> the super scope. The super scope. Oh my gosh. He actually Pretty pulled it out of congressional testimony. Kids making homemade bazookas all over the place. 
And, you know, so dangerous that, you know, people are fucking dangerous to the water. Well, somebody but... please think of the children. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, now, you understand that we can't play those sorts of games today because almost no yeah. one has a cathode ray tube television. So that sort of yeah. game is impossible in the modern age. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. You have to use an emulator with a mouse or something now instead of actually. Which is pretty fun. Using the real thing unless you have an old CRT TV hanging out in your basement or something. Yeah, so, I, I enjoyed playing the the robot game. What the heck was that robot blasting game? Because it's not here. The, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of games that came out from the had, Super uh, Scope. Yeah, there was the first I, boss was like a frog thing, like a, a green bulbous thing. I, I remember playing through the game on the mouse. It was. Were fun. you were you high when you played? Because I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Should well, I say how high were you? <laughs> I, I I do not I do not uh, engage in the in the herb in the herb okay. it doesn't grow well up in uh, Ottawa apparently no, I was kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the tundra is not great for growing that's right all right so we've got the uh, so that was an advertisement for the uh, Super NES Super Scope Six game which is really three games but they call it six for whatever reason because um, there's two modes for each game there's three modes for one game and two modes for one game for another game and then Mole Patrol which is like whack-a-mole with a gun which makes it better it does but anyways um, so on to our uh, table of contents um, we have Captain America and the Avenger <laughs> because you only get to play Hawkeye <laughs> TNC 2 Thriller Safari Yoshi for the NES then Game Boy we're going to talk about Star Trek Turn and Burn slash Top Gun, Ultra Golf, Boggle Plus, Mystical Band, and for Super NES, The Addams Family, WWF, Super WrestleMania, Super Smash TV. That's then, a great lineup right there. Yeah, and then of course we have the technology update on CD-ROMs later on. So moving on to the uh, Player's Pulse. So I had kind of read um, that they, we read in a previous um, issue, that when they get fan mail, they they put it up, they put uh, the... Uh, anyone that who's who's drawn on their uh, envelope, the and it looks cool. They'll put up on the wall. Was that was that true, or was that was that a lie from Gail? No, no, no. no. Uh, well, yeah, yes, we, we we won't talk about Gail Tilden, but um, <laughs> I, I would say that, that yes, in fact, they would put the good art up on the wall, both in the uh, as I said before, the correspondence unit, which would receive questions, and then down in the. Nintendo Power. So. Okay. So it was this customer service reps that were answering these mostly? Yes. Well, I okay. mean, gameplay counselors. Um, so and they were considered like elite. They knew how to write English good. Well, because they have like um, people that write in for like the uh, counselor's corner, obviously. And then you also have the player's poll. So they're just like, hey, I'm hanging out at home. Here's a picture of me and my cat playing Nintendo. Mm-hmm. You know. We wouldn't respond to those. You'd have to ask a specific gameplay question or a, a customer service question, and then we would write back. But if you were just writing in to go, you know, I would love to do this. Like, okay, you're on drugs. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> who did the uh, – so who did get to answer these questions? Uh, generally, those would be the um, Nintendo Power editors, Gail and, and her staff. And, you know, sometimes they'd farm them out. And, again, it's time off the phone. She'd get really excited about that. So. Okay, so can you tell us if there was a, a a different crew that did the classified information, or was it just you? But they figured we need to uh, instead of three pages on this, we'll just give it two different names. 
Um, you know, I really wouldn't be able to answer that specific question. Um, you'd need to find somebody because it's classified down there. <laughs> well, no, certainly not. Um, I, I the agents. I don't think the agent numbers were real at all. But maybe we can get to that when we get to the classified information section. Well, I mean, we're not actually. They got rid of. They changed the uh, format uh, starting in '92, and they got rid of the agent numbers. They got rid of the questions. Where they ask them, you know, what's your favorite game? What's your biggest accomplishment? What are your hobbies? Yeah, they killed the profile information. Like, and now it's like they actually told people to like dress up and like comb their hair before they take their picture. <laughs> versus previously, you just like, hey, come over here for a second. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Gail yeah. was, was a little too professional for her own good. I know, right? Put some spit well. and polish on our favorite uh, section, unfortunately. I think you'll find that there's not a gameplay counselor out there who won't agree with you. <laughs> All right. So let's dig in on the uh, player's pulse here. The saw section is based around the Super Nintendo. It says, in pursuit of a Super NES. When we asked you what you would do to get a Super NES, we had no idea just how far you would go. And uh, so here are some of the wacky proposals. I'll start us off. Uh, Jason from Tysonboro, Matt. Oh. You're not going to read that epic name. Oh, the last name? How would you say Jason that? Jason destroys Mason. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought to pronounce it that way, but it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, you got destroy in your name. That mm-hmm. that commands respect. No matter what job interview you take, <laughs> that's going to get you an interview. Like, that resume is going to be like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. Do you think he goes and, real and deep? The, when, <laughs> do you think that, he goes real deep t- when he t- says t- his last bro. name? Oh, Tynesboro, thank you. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how to say it. Massachusetts? Yes. <laughs> okay, so it's, so it's not Missouri? All right. <laughs> We're still learning our states. Forgive us. There's, there's like 16 states with M in them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's neither here nor there, though. So he says, the wildest thing I do is wear my sister's clothes while sitting on top of the house, singing My Country Tis of Thee and having fish sticks in my ears. Something tells me that's a regular Tuesday for Jason here. <laughs> Won't the neighbors be surprised? Yes. You know what? I, I doubt they're really surprised. <laughs> Annoyed. Mm-hmm. But they'll be like, well, there's Jason again. Well, what are you going to do about it? He destroyed Mason. Yeah. <laughs> you go talk to him. I'm not going to say anything. There's no, there's no more Mason in our neighborhood thanks to him. <laughs> All right. You want to take the next one, Mike? Yeah. Well... We'll follow through by skip by going beside it. To get a Super Nintendo, I would walk around the United States dressed up as a chicken, dancing the cha-cha and singing Yankee Doodle Dandy by Jamie Overstreet of Mobile, Alabama. So we've got uh, two patriotic kids from uh, Massachusetts and Alabama. And, you know, strangely, the patriotic vibe goes through. Like, like you know, there's a real uh, nationalistic vibe going on in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they actually, Nintendo Power actually illustrated uh, Jamie's uh, offer. So they have an illustration of someone wearing a chicken suit flapping along while a Super Nintendo runs along in, in shoes beside it. I'm, I'm going to have to say that I think that he sent that picture. You think so? I do. Oh, look at the detail on the bottom of the shoe. It's a, yeah. it's a Super NES controller. Yeah. That's sick. Okay. More sad than awesome. sick, but you know. <laughs> cool. That would leave like the most awesome footprints in the snow. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's cool art. Yeah. 
You don't know so, how the uh, how old this person was. They could have been eight when they were sent this in. <laughs> if so, that's some damn good artwork. Or you know, thirty-four. And <laughs> still good artwork, but yes. disappointing, disappointing narrative. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one says, I would do the most dreaded thing on the planet for a super nez. It hurts us to think about it. I would eat green beans, mushrooms, and the most dreaded vegetables on the planet, Brussels sprouts and broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> and to which they say, believe it or not, some people like Brussels sprouts and broccoli, not us. <laughs> so uh, Llewellyn, as our guest, would you like to read the last one? By sure, I would be happy to. Um, <clears throat> to get a Super Nintendo Entertainment System, I would swim the Pacific Ocean, build a snowman at the North Pole, go down Angel Falls in a barrel, jump out of a space shuttle in orbit, and yes, that would even be my homework. Nice. Uh, <laughs> good. And before we uh, we flip the page, we got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Contest winner where a guy actually got a Bill and Ted phone booth mm-hmm. in his room. Well, the yeah. Bill and Ted phone booth. The Bill and Ted phone booth. And uh, we actually uh, covered this a little bit by Googling uh, a Reddit uh, AMA with this guy. And he, t- <laughs> he talked about like having <laughs> sex with it and stuff. But, of course he would. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they said that the phone booth wouldn't fit into his bedroom door to remedy the situation. Kenneth's father took out a window frame and all and hoisted the booth through the opening the phone now actually works so that's not quite true they he said that uh they didn't actually put a phone in there it comes with like whatever it comes with in the movie but um they just paid like his phone bill for a year and the phone was like a regular phone off to the side kind of thing (laughs) oh man i mean it wouldn't be that much it wouldn't be that hard to run a line into it Mm -hmm. but uh I mean, like, then you wouldn't probably wouldn't have room for the sex, so. Right. And I like I guess the, his, dad was, his dad was thinking ahead. He's like, listen, he's 13. We know what's going to be going on in the <laughs> next five years or so. <laughs> Lovely. And he's got an awesome, like, 90s uh, T-shirt on there as he's stepping into the booth. Yep. So. And, then, uh, and then to follow Bob Seeger, we turn the page to Mario gets his day in Miami where this kid gets a proclamation by Mayor Mario. <laughs> Does look like Mario. <laughs> For a Nintendo fun day in Miami. Come on, if you're Mi- if you're in Miami, every day is a fun day. What? He said Los Angeles. I see. No, no, no. In Miami. Los Angeles had already done it, and this oh, kid okay. thought it was, yeah. I got it, okay. So Xavier Suarez was the mayor of Miami. And they, I wonder what they did for fun day. Does that mean like the mayor actually like grabs a Nintendo, like plays one game, dies, and he's just like, all right, time to go do adult shit. <laughs> yeah, they don't see what he did. It just, it gave him a big piece of paper that says proclamation on it, took a picture with the kid. Yeah. And apparently Mar- some guy in a giant Mario shop costume shows up. With a <laughs> wicked mustache. I mean, that thing just goes. That thing's like it, it got it gained sentience and it's now trying to take over. <laughs> it his is head. just about connected to the sideburns there. <laughs> he looks like he almost looks like Doctor Yang from the mystical uh, nin, from Mystic Adventure of the Ninja. He's almost going Must. for a reverse link in there. <laughs> <laughs> now we see from now we got a letter from Gail Tilden. Doctor Mario cares about you. 
We've had phone calls from concerned people who've heard stories about players suffering seizures while playing video games. Nintendo wants you to know that video games do not cause epilepsy. People cause epilepsy. Sorry, I was just doing the gun thing. Lovely. It's true, though, that some people who have epilepsy may have seizures while looking at flashing lights or patterns, like those in television programs or video games. Unfortunately, people might have epilepsy but not know about it. Dr. Mario recommends you visit, consult your physician before playing video games if you have an epileptic condition. Even if you don't, you should check with your doctor to see if any of the following symptoms, altered vision, mental confusion, loss of awareness, loss of awareness of your surroundings, muscle twitching, convulsions, or other involuntary movements. Or in other words, get out of your parents' acid. <laughs> That's mommy that, and daddy medicine. I, I just want to say that we were ahead of the curve on that, because you remember the, there was the Simpsons had the episode, and there was the Pokemon episode Pokemon, about the, yep. the... Yeah, so... Nintendo was well ahead of the curve. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they came up with the Porygon simply by realizing that they couldn't say Polygon. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <clears throat> Moving right along. So, okay, I got to ask, though. A do I have a legitimate question to ask. So at the top of the player's pulse, they've got this art up here. And it's it's a very distinctive type of art that we've seen from the very beginning of Nintendo Power where uh -huh. the noses are long and often phallic looking. Um, <laughs> yes. Do you happen to know if the artist of this was US based or Japanese based? Uh, US based. Really? Did you know the yes. guy? Uh, no, no. Um, but um, no, I, I know he was, uh, he was American based. Um, and if you look at other... Um, like uh, Dungeons and Dragons cartoons from the seventies, from Dragon Magazine, they would often have that that style of noise. Hmm. So they guy work in the office, or they just like you know uh, contracted I, with them? I know. I never met him. Um, hmm. But uh, you know things like Nestor's Adventures and things that might be. Um, uh, yeah, that, that might be that, Japanese drawn. Yeah, we actually yeah, um, had um, Howard's stepdaughter on the show and um, she told us that uh, that was um, done in Japan the art for Nestor's Adventures and then she also told us about the the very last issue or the comic comic that uh, they made for Howard wasn't put in print because it involved Howard going <laughs> driving a golf cart running over Nestor and be beating him to death <laughs> that was his um, present. yeah I'm not going to rule that out entirely <laughs> Just saying, so. if you saw if you saw it or not, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, remember that um, while my job and my life seemed enormously cool to you at Nintendo, I was pretty much the bottom of the ladder. Gameplay counselors were above lit, but not by a lot. <laughs> but you got paid so well. How could that be? Uh, well, we got paid well, but um, it was the, it know, was one of the rare places where a poorly regarded position was actually compensated fairly. But again, that's that's the uh, you know, compared to other people, everybody else made more money than us. But, you know, oh, I see. It's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. Trickle down economics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, um, that's the Reagan era at work. Okay, so should we move on to the first game featured here? Yeah, I'm tired of staring at Mario's terrifying mustache. Okay, let's move on to Captain America and the Avengers. So the story is... <laughs> where, where apparently they fight the Shredder. 
Yeah, the Mandarin uh, takes down Iron Man and Vision right at the bat. And um, so you play as either Captain America or Hawkeye. And um, I think you have to... Okay, you can switch back and forth between Cap and Hawkeye at any time or return to a previous location to build up your power. Um, So you go through a number of American cities trying to hunt down um, your fallen friends and uh, beating bad guys up along the way. And it's a platformer from uh, Data East. And I think Captain America can throw his shield. Hawkeye obviously can toss arrows at people people um i actually had this game for the nes have you played this one guys i gotta say actually i have not played captain america Avengers. i looked through the issue and i've in fact played very few of the games because as i said they they fired me six months before so <laughs> usually you didn't play the oh, game yeah, we never until... got around to that what was the uh what was the reason if you're okay with sharing that oh i'm uh no i'm happy to tell you but as, as i said you know you get into uh uh, I didn't take vacation for two years, and so I started dating this girl, and we wanted to be on the same schedule. That's it's very usual because we were living together, and we were, uh, we wanted to meet one point. So I switched from a team where the guy was like, "Hey, well, you're doing a good job, keep it up," to uh, a team where the guy was a, just he was a junior high school PE teacher. And you know, given high five skis to everybody, and if if we keep our wrap up time below this percentage, I'll shave my head for you guys and that sort of thing. Um, and and my <laughs> if you do if you do this if you do this this constant backbreaking labor, I will do one trivial thing to, for you. Yeah. Um, and so um, uh, my scores went from being you know outstanding pretty much in every area to being pretty bad in every area, um, and somehow. That was assumed to be my fault. Um, so I transferred to I asked to transfer to another team, which really was like, oh, I've never asked to leave my team before. Anyway, um, and the new guy, the new lead, for whatever reason, he spent an entire month, I think, monitoring just me. Hmm. And um, I was already on probation for telling a blue joke in, uh, when I was uh, <laughs> training people. It wasn't that blue. Come on. Um, Let's hear it. Uh, well, uh, so you take a paper clip and you you unbend it so that it's you know like a wire. Uh, what is that? It's the bionicleness cubic hair. <laughs> and we're gonna edit that out, right, guys? Um, anyway, so as as I said, you know, we would get a lot of prank phone calls. The the best, the funniest prank phone calls were when kids would figure out how to work the conference function on their phone. And they would conference Nintendo and Sega together. Oh Jesus! Um, thinking that, that we would hate each other, and we'd start yelling. It would be cool and funny. Um, but so we would get local kids, and they would call up and they would prank phone calls. But you know, <laughs> in these situations, obviously, you want to have as many kids hearing it as possible. Mm-hmm. So you'd have the upstairs and the downstairs extensions, and you'd be laughing and giggling. Mm-hmm. And so I had these these kids who called up, and they wanted to prank call me, and I. And I Basically, they wouldn't figure out you had to hang up both lines at the same time. So they kept like, oh, my God, he's not hanging up. He's not letting us hang up. Okay, we have a question. We'll admit it. And so they asked the question. (laughs) Anyway, but then I got got these other kids right before, and this is really probably the reason I was fired, was they wanted to know the size of my genitals. (laughs) And 
We're supposed to hang up as soon as anybody starts a prank phone. I was like, all right, let's go back. Um, but, you know, the longer you're talking to kids prank calling you, the less time you're spending answering these questions on um, that, no, you can't make the things in Dr. Mario go up. They're only going to come down. Um, so I, I didn't hang up. But I'm like, all right, you got any gameplay questions? Like, no, no. Is your penis really big? Um so after maybe ten minutes, you can. Well, why don't you? You know, you could have just asked your mom. Yeah. See, that would have that would have been a much better way to go. I said, sure, fine, it's big. You got any questions? <laughs> you said your penis is big. So that was one of the calls I was monitored on, and uh, oh. considered that maybe I wasn't quite being tender material anymore. Mm. Um, oh my god, because so, they only want small penis people working for them. They only want small penis. <laughs> so. Um, they, this Japanese company. <laughs> <laughs> How do I know that was coming? Mike represents the racist portion of our podcast. <laughs> well, that's because he's Canadian. Um, <laughs> I'll stop being racist when Asian people start tipping, okay? It's a deal. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I'll point out that Australians also don't tip. But, um, well, that's because it's so included in the price, right? They, uh, <laughs> not so much. But anyway, they, oh, uh, they did let me retire for health reasons. Um, so, you know, it's like, I, I resigned for health reasons. Um, I see. The, uh, the amusing coder to that is that, um, when I went in on my last day of the day, they were going to fire me. Um, my team lead had already removed my name from the check-in roster mm. and uh, he actually got in trouble for that. It's like, yeah. Why were you so mean to Llewellyn? You didn't even have his name on the, the check-in sheet for when he, when he came to work. It's like, no, that was an old check-in sheet. I swear. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, so uh, yeah, they let me go, and you know, my my wife, my wife now, tell you that it's for the best. And I do make a boatload of money and have a, a pension, and you know, I live on government housing, and you know, I, I go to Bali for the weekend, and I would still rather work. So what what <laughs> uh, what led you to you work for the Australian government since no, you're no, on an I, island I work, off Australia? No, I work for the U.S. government. I I joined the State Department, and now I work in different embassies around the world. Mm. Oh, so you work at an embassy, the American embassy on uh, yes. what, Timor Island, or yes, it's a little country called Timor Leste. It's the first island, first new country in the 21st century. Uh, they gained their independence in 2002. Hmm. Shit, a brand new country. Wow. Yep. So they, now, now we learn something new. Hey, maybe now you can listen to our show so we can see if that shows up in our uh, stats. So then we can see Timor Leste. And just, boom. A very excited stuff. Okay, well, we'll do that and see if it shows up. It's only got like a population of what, like 17 people? So <laughs> No, no, it's, it's 1.2 million. 1.2 million, but, you know, mm-hmm. only about 10,000 of those have internet access. So. Hmm. If you can only get 5,000 of those people to listen to our show, that would be a big help. Oh, never never stop, Mike. Never stop. Okay. So let's burn through this game here real quick. So you're visiting uh, Tampa, Miami, Columbia, Montgomery. Um, and, uh, you know, like What's I said, Mississippi R? What Mississippi R? What do you mean? I'm looking at the map. I see New York, Mississippi Philadelphia, River. Richmond, Charleston, Mississippi R. Mississippi yeah. River. Mississippi River. Okay. There is a river, and, you know, called Mississippi yeah. as well as the state. Okay, <laughs> so I guess like now we're, you know, 
then why not just say like New York neighborhood or Philadelphia quarry? I don't because know. Because there's man. a Missis- there's a Mississippi State and a Mississippi River. Hmm. Indeed. Okay. So we yeah we see Captain America's name here uh, that he can that his uh, shield. Yeah, you can do a jump, kick, punch. You can push down during a spin jump to batter sh- to batter foes with the shield, or to protect you from acid pools. So does that mean like you can float on your shield? Um, no, you can't float on it, but you can put it underneath you and like just drop down people's heads, basically. So you can be like well, Mario. Acid pools. So acid I wonder pools? what that means. Like, I don't yeah. remember. Protect did did you play this game? Yeah, I had this game. I don't remember. The, I don't remember the acid pools. I don't know if I made it that far. Maybe you it's just put hard. the shield under you, so you jump over an acid geyser. You, the thing is, you don't. Uh, I, what I remember, I think it's like you don't um, get your life back when you go to the next stage. Um, so it retains like all the information about like where you were the previous stage, making it rather difficult to make it through the entire game because um, you have to know where like the power-ups are. It's not like optional at any point. It's not like, oh, I'll get to the next stage and I'm good. Like, no, if you get hit in the previous level, like your health just keeps going down until you get your health back up, basically. Oh, like Ninja Turtles. Doesn't matter if you beat the level or not, your health is still pooched. Yeah. Oh, and then we see Hawkeye who can shoot arrows at a different angle. So I guess Captain can only shoot his shield forward. This guy can shoot arrows uh, at angles, mm-hmm. including straight overhead, but uh, he has a great jumping ability. But unlike Cap, he, can, he can't grab a hold of pipes. <laughs> so, well, he, I mean, he's like, got his hand, one hands on the on the yeah. bow, <laughs> and you don't have like a a, a grip or a slot or anything nope. to put your. Band. He has a quiver to hold all his arrows, but nothing to hold his bow. He only does one thing. He does one thing well. Okay, <laughs> give the guy a break. Also, the acid level is New York. Is that wow. for real? <laughs> Does that, oh, so you get to go on the Hudson? Okay. Oh. <laughs> Harsh. And then we see the uh, the Vision, whose strength is the ability to mimic all organic human functions. Does that mean he poops? <laughs> um, yes. A yes. That's, robot. that's exactly how I read it. <laughs> A pooping robot. Well, he's the second pooping robot. Next, uh, The first one was Hard Man from number three, from <laughs> Mega right. Man 3. Yeah. The robot made the robot made for shitting. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna start disrespecting the Mega Man series, I am gonna leave. Just, just oh, I, I say it with I say it with love, but uh, you look at Hard Man, and he's a robot with a very visible sphincter. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. No, we we say this with love. We have to we have to mock everything in here, though. That's part. That's part Not of the everything. Matter. Most of everything. <laughs> All right. No, we had like, uh, do you guys, I know I, w- I missed it, but you guys just did Zelda 3 last issue. Did you guys like just shower that with praise for like two hours? Uh, yeah. And then <laughs> when, I, when I wasn't arguing with John over something. Oh, okay. I guess I'll find out what that, what that means later. We'll listen to it. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was a very fun time. Triforce was very fun. He was telling us like why these, why this game was you know, so engaging and mm-hmm. it was just a, like a two hour sloppy love fest for this game. See, okay. So Captain America and the Avengers doesn't rate quite as high as that one, basically. No. And then we see Iron Man, whose occupations are inventor, industrialist, and alcoholic. But they didn't put that one there. Right. I guess, I guess they ran out of space. 
All right. Was so this before or after his alcoholic storyline, they you know they kind of avoided it in uh, other ad- adaptations. They really only done that in the comics. Yeah, I really thought with Iron Man too they would have like captured that essence because like it shows him like getting sloppy drunk and everything mm-hmm. but at the end it turns out oh no he's just depressed because he needs alcohol to fight off the infection in his system like that, that's giving him a reason to drink mm. i mean in the storyline he drank because for all of his supposed strengths he still had like a major internal weakness mm-hmm. but no they they justified in the story because i guess robert downey jr is just like listen that's cutting a little close and you know that's why we wanted him to be iron man so that he could take that addiction and put it into his performance, but no. Well, I remember they put that in the initial press release when they first announced like who was going to be playing Iron Man. They were like, oh, well, we know Iron Man, uh, you know, he had alcohol problems, and who better know about those problems than Robert Downey Jr., our star? And I was like, oh, I guess so. <laughs> and then they just decided, what are we going to do with it? Nothing. Nothing. Perfect. It's all worked out for the uh, best. So... Uh, we start off in Tampa with black holes. And, uh, like, what the hell is this Doppler effect we're looking at? It says, black holes appear along the routes between cities. Inside the event horizon, you will find crushing enemies like Fireman and Dynamite Napalm. So, what, the, we're fighting Mega Man villains? Did we fall into a Capcom universe? I think it hurt us on the other page when we were talking about this is, it. This is how Marvel versus Capcom got started. Yes. Yes, we this fell, is it. They fell in, we fell into the Capcom mm. verse, fought some Mega Man enemies, and mm. then we discovered a whole new universe. So I don't want to go through. I mean, we've got uh, a lot of coverage to go through here, so I don't want to dig too much too deep into this. This looks um, like Zelda. We see like rupees and hearts and bombs. A little bit as the power ups. Uh, are those bombs you actually picking up the 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 purple orbs? I don't know. I, I don't think Captain America has time to pick up jawbreakers, but. Those are maybe they're, key go, maybe they're going bowling. It's a key crystal. I like the idea that I like the idea that they're going to go bowling after. You need the key crystal in order to exit the level. Apparently. That's oh my are. gosh! So yeah, it's a tough game. Um, so they got some enemies. I'm looking at uh, the bottom of page ten, where it says domestic trouble. Sometimes Domesto fires homing missiles. I just like the guy's <laughs> Where's name. Where's Domesto? Domesto. Like, is that like a is that like the Marvel supervillain that walks around with a wife beater and in a whiskey bottle and just starts smacking women all around? <laughs> Domesto. Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay. Domesto. His key. His catchphrase. Make my goddamn sandwich. Lovely. Uh, there's an interesting um, uh, mechanic in Montgomery over here, where apparently you it, the lights turn on and off, and you can switch them on and off by kicking them with Captain America. So that's interesting, I guess, and somewhat annoying, from what I recall. I heard of the clapper, but this is ridiculous. It's the kicker. (laughs) Kick on. Kick off. The kick master is like, hey, I could could use that. I could do that for you. Oh, Llewellyn, did you get to play kick master? Uh, No, I never got to play kick master. One of the great regrets of my life. <laughs> well, the good news is the ROMs are very small, so even on your island, it would only take about two hours to download. Mm. <laughs> this save yourself the time is not a good game. <laughs> All right, it's forty. It's forty-five kilobytes, not well spent. So, moving on to the end of the article here in Charleston, apparently you fi- finally face uh, a real bad guy. You face the wizard who've actually heard of from the comics. 
Then it says, uh, it's got a nice uh, art in here insert where he's yelling, no one can stop me. And um, so he tries to uh, kill you in Charleston, apparently. And then he, tr he tries to fight you with white power mm -hmm. and it doesn't work. And then on to the very end, you finally fight uh, the Mandarin in New York City. And um, yeah. And of course, uh, then it tells you to go west and doesn't tell you about the other half of the game pretty much. And we get to see Ultron, Crossbones. I think that's it. I can't tell what's yeah, in the screenshots. Yep, and here we see the prequel, the cheap, the cheap prequel to Donkey Kong Country. Mm -hmm. Thrilla's Safari, which is a sequel to Town & Country um, TNC Surf Designs. And uh, this is TNC 2, Thrilla's Safari. So they got rid of the rest of the characters. They got rid of all the uh, people, basically. And they just had the ape um, from the first game. And he is... Uh, Basically, doing a side-scrolling um, excite bike over obstacles, except he's on a, I... uh, on a on a <laughs> skateboard. I, I got, that's a freaking big skateboard. First off, second of all, what is up with that hat? He looks like a pimp chic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah, you're right. It's got like a like a chic flow in the back. And you know what? Yeah, it's like um... <laughs> pimp in the front, chic in the back. I don't know what's happening there. It's like a ball cap, but it's got uh, the part on the back that protects your neck. And then also has like the like taxi cab checkers as, as like a belt around the top here. Yeah, with a white paint, with a white purple brim. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out the fact that it's like a Hawaiian style to keep the uh, sun off the back of your neck while you're surfing. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm guessing. It's just a, the style looks very 90s, though. Um, so anyways, it's a side-scrolling platformer where you, you're, um, Thrilla, the gorilla, and, um, yeah, it's, it's basically a psych bike, but, uh, yeah, we get to see some, uh, yeah, next to the bone, next to the old shell game, which is a, uh, like a bonus stage, we get to see, like, sweat or spit flying out of his mouth, but the way his hand is positioned, it looks like he's popping pills. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Well, and the way he's frantic, he's just like, "Oh, oh man, I, I, I can't do this straight. I, got, I, I need a little, I need a little help." Well, you know, they did call him the uh, Lance Armstrong of skateboarding, so there you go. <laughs> so, moving on, um, you go oh through gosh. jungle levels, river levels, apparently. No, you're not going to talk about the level one boss killer rhino. Oh, I didn't see him. He's on the next page. You. Yeah, oh, I was in you, page. Okay. level one four, the killer rhino. Oh, when I, yeah, so I was getting for getting, getting there, the killer oh rhino. God. What the hell is what? this? It's like some scientist went way overboard. I'm looking at like a, a eagle slash rhinoceros with both ends a rhinoceros. Yeah, well, one's a triceratops, the other's a rhino. They're both birds, and there's no ass. So <laughs> one of the one of these birds has really bad breath. <laughs> oh man it says that the killer rhino the two-headed beast guards the end of the first stage floats near the center of the small area and tosses horns in your direction roll up to the left and toss exploding coconuts as this monster by hitting the a button when you see a horn coming your way jump to avoid being blasted that oh is bizarre gosh. even for this game i mean that's just like okay. 
what kind of scientist thinks I'm going to create a creature with no ass? <laughs> because not only would it be an amazing technical achievement, but then I won't have to clean it up. Yeah, I don't know. Where does it poop? We want to know. <laughs> it's it's like cat dog. It doesn't poop at all. It just like converts all food into pure energy. There you go. It knows there's no waste. It's a zero waste consumer. Hmm. I like it. You know, no, I know what the wastes you know, are. It's it's the horns. That's why he can keep producing them. <laughs> it's constantly pooping out of its head. Right, and he can use them as weapons. That's just badass. Oh yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Oh my gosh. So moving on, they kind of talked about the later later levels here. Apparently, you're fighting a a, a giant shark with horrible teeth, which is pretty neat. I mean that's a that's a pretty well drawn boss. And uh, the, what is the he? Broken glass jaw is pretty cool. Is he riding something there, like a like a uh, dolphin or something? A black dolphin. It says hop onto the back of a shark and take a break from riding the boards. Yeah, it looks like he's well a black shark or a black dolphin or mm -hmm. whatever. And then we get to see some more purple. Yes. All right. And so that's the end of Thriller. Looks like he, well, I see. At the end of level three, it looks like he's fighting an exploding metal crab or a scorpion. Yeah, there's some really bizarre uh, um, bosses in this game. And, and of course, we got the orange gorilla in front of an orange mountain. So you can clearly see where Thrilla is in that <laughs> screenshot for level three. Yeah, that's I mean, he's wearing like red shorts, at least in like the one to the left of it. You can clearly see him against the sand. And that's all. Well, let me colors. let me let yeah. me just point out here that um, the thing to do is to, to sort of walk it backwards. Um, so, what year was this game released? This game was was uh, early ninety two, right? Yeah. So you figure it's going to take them um, about six months to get the cartridges developed and manufactured, so and uh, a year to program the game. This game was was started development in about the middle of nineteen ninety. Hmm. So. At that time, what other games were being developed? What you know, how high quality games were being developed? Uh, LJN was obviously desperate to get on the. We've got to start releasing more um, cartridges as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. What do we own that we can? <laughs> they do? forgot. They forgot the word "good." Yes. Yeah, and this is you know this is the Atari problem. Um, mm -hmm. So you know you get these these highs and lows. That's one of the reasons why Nintendo would only allow you to release so many games per year. Right. And I think at this point, they were starting to lose that that tight control. And you're seeing more. I, I mean, the thing to keep in mind is that this game that you're looking at right here, only the best games available made it into Nintendo Power. <laughs> so this was better than all the games that didn't make it into this issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there were, there were games that we saw for like the power meters in the middle of the page, in the middle of the issue. That they didn't even bother covering. And I was just wondering, like, oh my god, so these so some of these turds were the cream of the crop. The cream of the crap, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Well but speaking of the opposite end of that spectrum, for the next game, we have a very decent game which looks to uh take on some of the uh the modern casual cell phone games, mobile games that we see today. Yoshi's uh, Yoshi just yeah it's just Yoshi I thought it was called Yoshi's Egg not only just see Yoshi maybe, but maybe got a different name in Europe I thought this was released as Yoshi's Egg Ooh. maybe in the coverage no, here Yoshi's Cookie Yoshi's Cookie was a later game but this is, so this is just Yoshi. Yoshi this is just Yoshi this is just Yoshi 
Yep. Oh, or, or as he says, Yoshi! You are disturbingly good at that. That is freakishly good. Yeah, that will haunt me. How many times have you said that? <laughs> oh, you want to hear? Oh, yeah, you want to hear before? We'll talk about it. Yes, that's well. If you want to hear more of my Yoshi impression, you can listen no. to issue thirty-four of Nintendo Power when mm. we cover Legend of Zelda. Of course, if you're listening to this as a, as a regular listener, then you already have. Huzzah! All right, so Mike, tell us about "quote unquote" Yoshi the game. Well, we all, what did we establish in Super Mario World? Yoshi loves two things, getting punched in the back of the head and eating. <laughs> well, I wasn't say licking things, but sure. <laughs> well, Yoshi's a big fan of the donkey punch, so. Yes. But, but they couldn't make a game out of that. They probably did, but, you know, just like Howard's comic, it never saw public consumption. There you go. So instead, they just decided, let's combine Tetris, falling items, with Yoshi. So how is Yoshi going to eat them? Well, Yoshi's not going to eat them, so they just decided to forget Yoshi eating anything, and now it's just eggshells falling, and somehow if you crush enough enemies into an egg, you make a Yoshi, which makes him... What the hell does that make Yoshi? Like a hybrid mishmash? Does that make him a homunculus? Like, hmm. What the hell is Yoshi if you can just create him out of combining ghosts and plants and shit? I'm going to have to go with your overthinking the game for 200, please, Alex. <laughs> ah, now you've been playing with power. <laughs> oh, now you're burning with power. Oh, it's sick burn. All right, so anyways, they're talking, it's basically like a puzzle game, uh, similar to Tetris or Dr. Mario, but with a different theme, uh, different play style. You have to stack a certain number in a row to try and get them into an egg. You create a Yoshi. Yay, you get points. Huzzah. So they have an interesting little um, comic strip at the bottom of uh, the section here. Um, and so we've got Mario apparently is playing Yoshi uh, in the living room. And uh, Luigi's popping by and says, hi, I'm Mario. And uh, so they sit th- he sits down they check out the game. And um, he's telling them how to play it. And uh, <clears throat> then uh, Yoshi tries to, I mean, uh, Luigi tries to play it. He's in big trouble. And um, a giant uh, amalgamation of a monster pops out of the television. Hey, so somebody was thinking like me. Yeah. Um, you have too many now, different kinds. Yeah. Have you guys talked about why the uh, Nintendo controller cord is as short as it is? Uh, it's never occurred to me. Because I well, never you, saw them selling an extension for it. Right. The reason it's that short is because, of course, it was designed to be played in Japan. And in Japan, your living rooms are much mm. smaller than they are in the U.S. So that's why you have to sit so close to the TV when you're playing Nintendo. I never had a t- television large enough to be able to sit back anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in, yeah, this uh, this only lasted briefly, but I remember having to have the Nintendo out in the middle of the floor mm. so it can span the distance. And, of course, when you have parents who didn't grow up with consoles. They just don't think to look for that. Sure. Um, so you always have to like have this paranoid mindset of when they come in, like, hey, keep attention. Is this a sad tale of how your parents passed away? That would be a good tale, because then it would mean I get to save console. Uh. Anyways, we'll save that for a whole other podcast. 
We'll talk um, about Mike's parental therapy issues later. Yes, we've already fe- we've already had uh, Mike's dad in the show several times, including vacuuming at three in the morning above his head. So that's good. <clears throat> so apparently, I guess you can play two players. You can face off against a friend, um, and then it says, "But wait, there's more." And then they have a small screenshot telling you about the Game Boy gig coming out. Which actually, for a straight Nintendo port, pretty good. Yeah, it looks almost identical on a little screen. So moving on, we've got the classified information section. And here's where they have the famous agent numbers plastered underneath the video games that they're talking yeah. about. So Llewellyn, did you put anything into classified information? Or again, like that was a, a different department? Uh, well, I mean, they would get it from us. Um, but, you know, it would be basically whoever Gail liked would get, let, get off the phones and they say, okay, well, we, we were getting a lot of questions on this, that, or the other thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, there's always Castlevania. Everybody loved like Castlevania. Um, and it would, sometimes it would be just things that um, the company would send us saying, hey, here's this cool thing, uh, like the sound test for Over the Horizon. They'd be something that, you know, you, it was one of two things. It was either something we get a lot of questions on or something that there's no way you could find on your own without mm. the internet. Yeah, so it was either prescribed from the developer, basically. Here's something you can give to your readers kind of thing, or it was, mm-hmm. hey, this is what we actually found while playing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, there's things like, oh, you know, all you got to do to uh, to initiate the sound select and the, the level stage is simply just like... Press pause, then up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, up, up, down, 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 left, 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 right, right. Then you do uh, spin around three times in front of your television set, and then then you press pause and A B on your second controller. Then you turn it upside down and mm-hmm. yeah. So, I always thought bringing in the second controller was kind of mean and evil, but yeah. Um, the second controller thing seems like it was like a um, a developer um, like cheat, basically. Like yeah. oh, or QA sheet. Hey man, could you put it in a way so I can get a stage select so I don't have to test through the whole game? You know, kind well, of. Well, that's yeah. That that's. I mean, the uh, my understanding is the, the whole up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, right, start thing came about because the guy who developed Gradius literally could not beat it, <laughs> and so he he just put that in there so that he could finish it. Nice. Oh my gosh! You you think when playing that, you think when discovering that, you'd be like. I need to crank down the difficulty a bit if I, the guy who knows every single aspect <coughs> of this game because no one else has played it, mm-hmm. cannot beat it, maybe I fucked up somewhere. Yeah, that's... But no, it's just like, no, I just need to work around the <laughs> screw-up rather than change the screw-up. Yeah, well, that's what I want to know about Battletoads. Very, repu- very you know, Republican thinking. I want to know if Rare, act- Rare employees actually went through legitimately. They're like, oh, no, throw in the warp here so we can just skip those levels. We're not gonna, no one's going to beat those things. You know, <laughs> especially not our customers, right? Who might actually want to play the thing? I think the thing that tips you off to the agent numbers not meaning anything is that not a single one of the ones in the issue mm-hmm. that we're looking at is repeated. Not a single agent number is repeated. Right. So, and you know, Nintendo's not going to have looking that. at nine hundred and nine. You know, we're just not well, gonna have you, you know, even if they're not like sequential, if they're like, you know, uh, numbers on like a sports team, for instance, they're not necessarily sequential, you know, yeah. even then, though, it's like you never see them actually line up with any people in the issue, <laughs> you know, 
So you can't go, oh, okay. This one uh, for Facebook 2000 is from uh, Jason Gamage, you know? I, I hate to get all meta on you, but I can, I would be willing to bet you any amount of money that if we invented time travel and we went back to, this is the April issue, so it probably went to press in March. Let's say it closed in, in January. If I went back to January of, of 1992 and I said, did you know that there will someday be um, a cast of this issue and people will discuss with great intensity where the agent numbers come from and how they relate to real people. <laughs> someone would hit me. Someone literally would hit me and tell me to get the hell out of the office. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> I mean, th- these are these are kids' magazines mm-hmm. that were never intended for posterity. So, <laughs> well, the scary yeah. thing is that someday someone will be making an ultra cast of our podcast of the magazine. Mm. Remember the Playing With Power podcast? Well, back in those days, who would have thought that we'd be talking about them? <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. Um, well, they didn't count on me keeping oh all of these issues in my garage and then convincing uh, two of my friends to uh, start a podcast about it. So, I like the idea of like someone creating like an after show for our podcast. That'd be great. They were like, "Hey, here's let's what, here's what, let's go through let's go over year Mike. one of the Playing With Power." Yeah. Here's what I thought about Mike's racist jokes when they first started in issue two. <laughs> now, as we can see, the arc starts to develop and he starts getting more Trump-esque by issue 43. Right. And then by issue 45, you can tell he's not kidding anymore. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then they talk, they'll talk about the times when, like, you were sitting too far away with a microphone as the dark times. <laughs> or the deaf times. Yes, the deaf times. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I mean, there's all there's good stuff on the classified information here, but nothing that really um, jumped out to me. I'm, oh, I'm looking at Super EDF, and I was just wondering, why would they have this? It is, again, one of those second controller passwords, so you know it's freaking great. <laughs> it says, like, when the when like on the second controller, press and hold the start button up on the control pad, then press the reset button on the control deck. Like, nobody... No user is actually just like, hey, I'm going to just fuck around with the buttons and just reset my controller randomly after cataloging random entries just well, to see I, what happens. Again, a lot of these were put in to make them deliberately impossible for you to find so right. that they could, you know, during the presentation to the middle management, ineffectual middle management suck-ups, they can say, okay, we need you guys to choose which weather pattern you want EDF to have in the opening scene. Let me just do this thing. Okay, here's one. Let me do this thing here. Okay, there's two. Which one do you want us to pick? And then mm-hmm. they just don't take it out. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's an Easter egg after that. Yep. And then for uh, elevator action, we got Agent 777. You think that that agent number would at least be saved for like a casino game? Mm. <laughs> Elevator so, action, of course, starring Mike's mom. hi oh, <laughs> Except, oh my god. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Well, because I would have had a great follow-up to that, except you had to give me the shitty lead. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, also, it was, uh, you know, well, at least they wrote a song about it. Aerosmith, anyways. Loving an elevator. <clears throat> going up or you're going down. There you go. Or whatever you say. Yeah. No, I... I do want to point out here down at the bottom, wanted special agents. People actually wrote in a lot of these too. Um, you know, a popular activity by oh, yeah. video game experts. 
I don't know who these game experts were. A lot of times you'd have people who were self-identified as, you know, I am the greatest Nintendo player in, you know, the Western seaboard and mm-hmm. whatnot. But, you know, they, they would have this idea that they had a lot of input on what we were doing and they contributed a lot of tips and stuff that information. And, you know, you want to promote that because those kids are forcing their parents to buy them every single car cruise. Sure. Well, it t- tells them to choose their own uh, agent number as well. So that must be where they're getting at least some of them. Uh, you must have, you must have had like six thousand Agent sixty nines, <laughs> <clears throat> and we would change all of them to ninety six. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So next up, we've got a continuation of the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past yeah. comic. And anytime someone tells you that you're that they're the greatest gamer in the world, you just say, uh, "There's only one game master," and I'm sorry, I don't see your I don't see your name on the print. We exactly. all know that it's Howard Phillips. That's right. It's Howard. It's his name. Howard Game Master Phillips. <laughs> so, oh, I got an interesting story from, uh, if we ever have him on the show, I found out the guy's name isn't Gannon. It's Garen. Hmm. Garen Galloway. And he had a great story about uh, Howard that he brought over the uh, the first copy of Mario 3 mm-hmm. and had like a race to see who could beat it first. And Howard, Howard hustled him by breaking out the warp whistle cheats. Oh, Jesus. Of course he did. So Smug, Howard, humble Howard. Yeah, yeah, humble Howard doesn't take the top spot necessarily with fairness. No. It's to the victor goes the spoils, and there is no victory unless it's just plain victory. Honor doesn't enter it. I wouldn't be surprised if he busts out the game genie. <laughs> Ooh, now you're not playing with power anymore. <laughs> that, yeah, well, that would be a little too obvious when you're just like, oh, but I'm going to plug in this game, and I'm just going to stick this big plastic monstrosity sticking out of it, too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we have the Legend of Zelda comic. Uh, taking off from last issue, Link found himself in the desert facing a Lan Mola, as he called it. And I don't recall this... Uh, yes, this enemy... Well, I have... Yeah, this must be an enemy from the game, although I remember the Moldorm in the desert more than this guy. But anyway, Link decides if it's going to be him or me, it has to be him. And he manages to get under his armor, stab him in the belly, and then the guy sinks into the desert, which, you know, that's a lot of effort. You'd think that if it died, that it would just be on the sand, but whatever. So Link is wandering through the desert, Realizing it goes on forever, and then he has an Obi-Wan on Hoth moment with the illusion of his mentor telling him to get atop Death Mountain, find the next pendant. Realizing it was just a mirage, he sees the mountain flipping and flipping him the bird, and <laughs> and then he finds a portal that lights up, and we get to see his parents. I think this is the first time in any Link thing where we've actually acknowledged that Link isn't a friggin' orphan. That he's got actual parents. And we see his uncle. So when they say the world of darkness, I, well, apparently his uncle died a noble death fighting Aghanim, but nobility doesn't count for shit because apparently he still ended up in the dark world. So I guess like there is no heaven, only hell. Well, keep in mind that this is a Japanese and a manga, so you know they have a very different conception of, of heaven, hell, and, and things like that. 
So I would say that even though this is a Nintendo Power magazine, this is far from canon. <laughs> yeah, they say we are in, we are here with our brother, which is really fucking disturbing when you put an ounce of thought into it. Because that means that Link is the product, like his parents are also his aunt and uncle, apparently. Well, it's not a family tree so much. It's just a, it's just a pole. <laughs> well, why do you think every single Link, you know, is named Link? I mean, they don't rename them. They're just like, oh, we're going to make Zeldas and Links. <laughs> and that's it. We're here with our brother. So it's just one big happy family. Oh my gosh. The more we read, the more horrified I am. <laughs> as well you so should then, be, my son. As well you should be. Oh my gosh. So then Link decides, well, I'm going to stick my hand into hell, heaven, whatever this afterlife thing is. And then, of course, he's promptly rewarded by having his hand turned wolfish, which doesn't even hold with the friggin' game because we know when Link hit the, uh, the portal on Death Mountain to go into the Dark World... What, he didn't turn into a wolf. That was a later game, Twilight Princess. We all know what animal he turned into in the Super Nintendo game, right? It's a pig, right? No, a pink bunny. Oh, my bad. Yeah, he's pink. Because, because yeah, because his heart is gentle and kind. He's a he's a he's a he's a timid person. Mm. So he turns into a bunny. Here he turns into a wolf. Now, so this just takes a real departure from the game, which. You know, it would have been cute if he, like, comes out with a nice fluffy paw. And then the old man would tell him, like, you know, you need to toughen up a bit. Clearly, the uh, even the Dark World thinks you're a pussy. But anyway, he tells him, you penetrated the gate to the Dark World. That wicked realm has the power to change your body to reflect your heart. The emotions in your heart are negative and evil. You nearly became a beast. We haven't seen Link display any negativity. So, you know, there's a lot of inconsistencies here. And it says, Sashrala killed my uncle, and now he's holding Zelda. So, apparently, like, souls go to the Dark World. Ugh. Anyway, it says, you can never win with hatred alone. If you were if you were victorious, darkness would consume you. So, again, more Obi-Wan stuff here. Like, if you use anger to kill Vader, you will become him. So, and then we see uh, Zelda show up. And again, like, she seems to have the same hairstyle as Link. The, uh, the pointy ears and the uh, the sideburns that really leave your face. So again, there's a lot more relationship stuff going on here. Like we really got, we really got to question if everyone <laughs> if Zelda's parents were also the same. So then she says, "We are in our dream of two people doing the same thing. They will meet." So he goes, "Wait, dreams, mirages. This is all so confusing." And then they end up in the flower field from the Wizard of Oz, apparently. Puppies, puppies, puppies. <laughs> and he's like, my arm, it hurts. Please rest. Don't worry. And then we see him uh, sleeping in the desert, which, you know, all that sun exposure, that's, that's going to be great. And then he realizes that someone has bandaged his arm, but he doesn't know who. And then he sees the Tower of Hera, which is like, if someone took the link, the Washington Monument, and just decided, "Hey, can we make this look like a pencil instead?" This is what they uh, came up with, and which is a really stupid tower because it's just apparently the the inside is just a staircase. So I guess it's like the Statue of Liberty. 
So he ends up climbing all these stairs. How dare you say that, Canadian? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the CN Tower, only better. (laughs) Yes, because there's stuff in the CN Tower. Mm. And then he sees some lights show up in a honeycomb pattern. And he goes, hey, who turned down the lights? And then he realizes, oh, boy, don't ask a question you don't want the answer to. Because then there's this massive spider. And he uh, comes at Link. Link manages to climb up him, stab him in the eye. And realizing that the pendant is in the eye, he reaches in with his bandaged hand, which, you know, shouldn't really have any grip since it's essentially a big mitt. But he still manages to stick his hand in the eye with the appropriate sound effect. And he manages to grab the pendant and it transmutes his hand back to normal. And then the spider just drops down and uh, somehow he falls on the spider's back and then ends up standing up in a blue fog. Not quite sure why. But he says, you've recovered the pendants, now go to the Lost Woods. Can't I rest for a while? If you really are the hero of Hyrule, the Sword of Evil's Bane will select you as its bearer. So then Link goes through the Dark World asking if his parents were alive. And then he finds out that his parents were Knights of Hyrule, but they stumbled into the Dark World. After they disappeared, your uncle adopted you and shielded you from the intrigues of the royal family. Which still doesn't answer the question, if his parents are alive, but his uncle is definitely dead, why is he with them? Hmm. But But this comic does not provide answers. What it does provide is a bitchin' scene of the sword in the stone. With Link approaching the Master Sword, seeing his own reflection gleaming in the hilt. Mm -hmm. And a nice epic scene where he grabs the sword, yanks it out, and lightning arcs from the stone to the sword, letting you know that now he is playing with power. Mm -hmm. To be continued. Yeah, I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, I mean, you've seen that... Each issue, the Nintendo Power issues have been growing in size, um, and you know these weren't cheap to make. Um, and there's no way that fifteen dollars um, a subscription you're going to make any money off that. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, wh- why did we start including so many pages of comics in this? Um, you know, was it, I'm assuming that somebody at some point sent out a survey and they said we want to see more comics. I don't know that this is what they had in mind. Mm. It's kind of epic, but it would have been nice if it had gameplay information uh-huh. subtly put in. Because, <laughs> like, this would be a new game at the time. So, if you could have, you know, things in the comic that reflect the game, but also have a nice narrative in it, but then it departs so much, it becomes its own thing. Which is still a good thing. I mean, like, it's not, it's not bad, it's well... Good story, good everything. It just little inconsistencies like, hey, we're alive and we're here with our dead brother. Never mind the fact that we said our brother instead of like, I'm here with my brother. So, yeah, I mean, they, they sell it for 15 bucks a year subscription. Okay. <laughs> or they uh, it's 350 an issue, basically. I mean, it's kind of obvious. It's, it's subsidized by Nintendo to me um, so that... They sell you more games, basically. It's a big advertisement for their games and their system. So, of course, they want to make it uh, accessible to everybody. Come check out our new games. See which ones you want to buy. Give us more money. Call our, <laughs> call our gameplay counselors. 
<laughs> well, no, we, we we were not we were not making them anyone. Um, we were just costly. Yeah. Um, Drinking all their food, it, eating all their. It's all, all their it's all about their customer service, though. Their their commitment to to helping the customer and being available and friendly and all that kind of stuff, though. But, but yeah, yeah. It, it showed that they cared and. Right, because the last thing they want is for an Atari situation, basically, <laughs> where it's like, hey, this game sucks, uh, and it doesn't work, and there's no one to call about it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know? yeah, the Atari method yeah. was, that's the funny thing, like, they treated games like toasters and TVs and shit, like, just keep making products and selling them, and that's how we make money. It's like, no, 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 see, when you're selling an experience, you're actually got to care about the experience you're selling. No, no, no. We're selling plastic and cartridges. No, no, no. You're selling things on the plastic and cartridges, and that's going to matter. Right. It's going to hurt your brand eventually, Atari. Oh, well. <clears throat> All right. So let's get through the Game Boy section, and then let's take a break before we get to the uh, Super Mario Adventures. What do you guys say? Sure. So, uh, Ben, yeah. Ben, <clears throat> you right, can so tell got... us about the Star Trek thing. Yes. The Star Trek, we're in the Game Boy section. Star Trek for Game Boy. Uh, as follows the original 60s uh, TV series. Um, I had this game, actually. Um, it's okay. Um, it's a, it's a weird trying to find um, planets and stuff. You are blasting away as the Starship Enterprise and sort of a side-scrolling shooter, much like uh, Gradius or something of that nature, on a Game Boy, which, as you can imagine, isn't all that great. Um, well, and then you have... Um, it shows Plan- something neat with the Enterprise actually tilting up and down. So it's like, wow, yeah. the, ship, the ship actually moves, unlike, yeah. the, unlike the regular series. Right. Yeah, it's a little, un- obviously a little unrealistic um, <laughs> in this depiction, uh, just to get some, some decent gameplay in there. Oh, I thought you were talking about the series being unrealistic because... They no, actually- I mean- <laughs> I'm talking about the thing moving up or down. Obviously, it doesn't move like that quickly, you know. <laughs> okay, so you've got away missions where it looks like you just go down as one person at a time, so you don't have a whole crew with you. And I can't tell who you're playing as. Is it just as, as Kirk? Yeah. I would have I think you're just playing. Yeah, you're just playing as Kirk. Um, but you can. You know, this get- makes him a shitty captain. You think being a captain of a ship, you would send a crew, uh, or you know, other people? You know, not the most important person in control of everything to well, face that's the Well, you had to go. Yeah, but who who wants who wants to watch a series of the unimportant person going down and doing things, and then reporting back to the captain? Spock, I've got to go down there myself. I've seen a green woman. I must connect with her. <laughs> There's a guy in a shirt with a horn. I must double punch him. <laughs> what? Yeah, don't you remember the Gorn? Gorn. It's a Gorn. It's Gorn. No, I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> I, personally, I, I, I just want to throw this out there. I, I always pitied the poor schlob who you see on the uh, third page. We have the planet Neural. Exactly. The planet. The, I, I just want to call out to my, my lonely gameplay counselor brothers who had to take the screenshots <gasps> to make that. Is that how that was made? Tell us. Tell us how it was made. Well, well look at it. You, 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 you see how the... Um, we, we took the Game Boy up to how? a television. And then you take the... the how? How'd you do it? Well, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember <laughs> seeing a video. Shit. I don't remember seeing a video out on that. There, there is... There is 
No, you 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 have a an adapted gameplay, uh, an adapted mm. Game Boy that instead of going to the Game Boy screen would go to a television screen. So there mm, was like okay. a massive cord, or was it like they hacked? You're thinking of a, this. This is especially designed. Yeah. It's basically a, an NES. But instead of taking NES cartridges, oh, now, was that yeah. was? Do you know if that was done at Nintendo of America or was that shipped to you guys from Japan for the purpose? Uh, oh, I, I, I couldn't tell you where it was made, but I suspect it was made in. Okay, Japan so it was made available to you guys, um, and then you guys had to take screenshots. That's why the character is in all the, all the screenshots. Well, I mean, yeah, if you count one, two, three, four. That's something on the order of 40 or 50 screenshots, just right. that one thing. And having to get, you know, the screenshots necessary for every article mm-hmm. that you see, is you've got to do just the right mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, you've got, okay, well, we want to see the Enterprise tilted up. Oh, okay. Oh, no, we want to see the Enterprise shooting a photon torpedo. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, sometimes we get really weird requests, like the mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when I, I, I don't like Batman and Robin, some and, and Highlander too. Some films didn't mm. exist. Maybe we've heard of them, but they never really happened. Mario Brothers, the movie was problem, but they did ask for our help in making it. Um, they wanted to know how did Mario move, so they they asked me. Again, I got to walk close for this. <laughs> to make a video of all of Mario's classic moves from Super Mario Brothers 3 so that they could base um, Danny DeVito's movements on what I was showing. I would have loved to seen a Mario movie with Danny DeVito as Mario. He was originally going to be Mario, which Bitch. obviously makes sense. Wow. This movie could have been better. Sense, but <laughs> I don't think so. Well, okay, first off, you have an actual so Italian playing Mario. Okay, that's a plus right there. <laughs> oh, come on now. Bob Hoskins wasn't bad. Nobody could have saved the movie. No, he wasn't bad. Nobody but could have saved the movie. A good writer could have saved the movie. Anyway, but I just wanted yeah. to throw out there. So did, uh, wait you know, a second. You was that, did so you send a video of you dressed as Mario showing how he moves? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that... We got to save that no, video. No, that's no, gotta, no, no. That, that, we we, we got to launch a YouTube channel and have that on it. It's a me, Llewellyn. No, it, it's a video of Mario doing, you know, the forward yeah, yeah. jump, the backward jump, the, the raccoon suit, all, all those things. But, but you know, remember, when you see these screenshots, some poor schlub is having to play the game oh, that's, to yeah. that point. I and imagine this would have so to be done in pairs since, like, you can't pause the game to grab the camera and take a picture, take a picture of it. Like, was it a special camera or a Polaroid? Like... Did, did you, you have a special see... dark room for this purpose? Yeah, because I'd imagine these screens would get uh, washed. You know, out. we just we just would make the video tape. We would just make the video tape. Oh, so you aimed a camera, a video camera, at the TV and then just edited? No, a VCR, a VCR. You're recording oh, what's on the right, screen. Right, but how are you? How are you getting the prints out? How are you getting the little frames out for print? You just took the frame off of the tape, basically. Is that what we do? Yeah, you can just. Yeah, there's there's a, a way you can print from okay. uh, a video set. I don't know. It's just a machine. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I saw they had a, a boy in his blob for Game Boy in one of the past issues, and like, there's like the top of like the main area where it's just like this wide open space, and you just see the boy in his blob with the uh, umbrella 
like probably I want to say at least 60 times in the top there. And I was like, I'm just like, you know, we were talking about, I'm like, you know, some poor sap had to like jump the guy into that one area just so that you get the fact that there's nothing there. (laughs) So, uh, you said that, so we got, so you got like a, a console Game Boy that you would feed into a VCR. So I gotta ask, did it look like the Game Boy with the green background or was it like a white background because it didn't have the LCD screen? that you're looking at? Well, in, in the answer to your question, I will point you to the screenshots on the planet Neural. That's pretty much hmm. exactly what it looks like. Okay, So it didn't have seen... the green. Yeah. Okay, so it was like, well, yeah, it seems like whiter, but not really white. Because we've seen, yeah, we've seen screenshots from other Game Boy games, and they're like pure white. Hmm. So I was trying to figure out like, what that may have come from, like if they found a way to bypass the green screen, but they may have bleached it. But so, well, once once you get it into something like that, you can once you get it into an actual photo, you can sure. do all sorts of things with it. Okay. Well, so, this was I. Oh man, I really wanted to know about the screenshots, especially like for the yes. Game Boys, and and <laughs> you, yes. you really you really came through on that. You've. You, you probably should have asked if you really wanted to know. <laughs> uh, let me let me just throw in here that this is actually a very common problem. People would have questions and they'd call up and they'd ask the easy question, and they'd be like, "I don't want to ask the hard question because I'm too embarrassed or I've just forgotten or I don't I don't realize that you mm. could answer that question." So this is actually a pretty common. You know, we sometimes we draw draw questions out of people and be like, "Oh, really?" Yeah. So, it, 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 that's the way it that wouldn't have occurred going. to me that the the gameplay counselors would have been involved in this. It just seems like Nintendo Power staff only because it's all print, you know. No, I figured the counselors because uh, they're playing well, it. Well, but I mean, the, play the game to know it, so I figure who. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense now, of course. Yeah, they're not. Remember, the actual people working for Nintendo Power—that would be like Gale and two other. Oh, that's it. I mean, their their cubicles were like directly <laughs> below me. Um, so, you know, they're doing a lot of layout. I, I think the layout must have been done somewhere else. I think we, we would just hire someone and then they would send the layout sheets to Gale. I, I don't know about that. Um, but, you know, if they needed pictures or whatnot, they'd either get them from the developers, or if we were able to get a copy of us, hmm. then we would do it. Interesting. I like the uh, jargon here that they've got here for, uh, like, use the tricorder. And we see like non-sentient chlorosilicon plant life form, low toxicity, no known antidote. And all those words actually make sense. So they're not just throwing like, hey, let's throw out pseudoscience words. Yeah. yeah they actually seem to have spent a decent amount of money. Yeah, it looks yeah. Uh, pretty good. Who, who made this? I'm trying to look back now. Konami. Uh, it's a yeah. um, so. Konami. It looks pretty decent. It's kind of uh, looks Zelda-ish, and then it's an uh, overhead uh, maze-type uh, situations. You go to different planets, um, and you have to make it through. You've got you got your phaser um, armed and ready to go. Oh, I like the end here where you have to fight Kurt clones, which is perfect. <laughs> Do they double fist punch you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you you got to know that the gamesters of Triskelion would have made copies of the, the one mm-hmm. that got away. So, uh, 500 quadrants on the first one, number 37. <laughs> nice. Okay, I got to ask about this planet Kandala. 
What the hell happened to the map? <laughs> like, you mean Kalanda? I'm talking about the big glitchy zero in the in the screen. Mm. Uh, you know, I have not played this game, so I really couldn't answer. But it looks like uh, somebody, says, um, somebody fell asleep says, at the uh, VCR. No, it says on here, very slick, king or pit. The light-colored panels will slide open and then close. Argan death oil is exposed when the panels are open. Avoid stepping in the oil. It's not at all healthy. Oh, so it's... Yeah, so you basically it opens and closes. So they're always open and closing and moving. Yeah. That's why the screenshot looks weird. So when you see it overhead, you realize it's like a big O. Mm-hmm. Huh. And oh, well, you, you're probably getting something in the middle of the, uh, the area. You just have to get yep. into it. All right. Are we good with Star Trek here? Should we move on? Yep. All right. So next up, we got a double feature for two different uh, uh, jet fighting games. Yeah, uh, so see, this is Game Boy Takes Flight. About. Yeah, here's what I'm talking about. The white Game Boy screen. It's got a blue one down here, too. So the first <laughs> game is Turn and Burn, the F-14 dogfight simulator, and the second one is Top Gun, Guts and Glory. And they both look the same. <laughs> <laughs> One's by no one has a white background oh, and one has true. a blue background. If you're playing your Game Boy, they're both on the same. They're both green. <laughs> yeah. Is there like a reason these were different colors, or did Wait, they? It's just... like why we have the. Uh, again, I think they were just um, maybe one of these we did, and one of these developers did. Also, it could depend on what they pro. Because you kind of haphazard about programming the background color in the Game Boy, because you know it's going to end mm. up green. So maybe you program it with a white background, uh, or you program it with a blue background, thinking maybe that'll show up better mm. in the green on the actual Game Boy screen. So you know they're always trying to, to fiddle with the Game Boy. I mean, the, the Game Boy was kept alive yeah. long past its its you know reasonable uh, lifespan, but you know. We always came back with, well, you know, the battery power lasts so much longer on the Game Boy than it will under Game Gear uh, or Atari Lynx or what have you. Game Gear. I know the only way I figure if you want to play Turn and Burn and get the same experience, it would have to sell like a blue cellophane that you put over your screen so that you can fly (laughs) over the blue sky. They had video games like that where you literally just put like, uh, you had Pong as a game. And they would sell you yeah. cellophane <laughs> attachments hockey, that would put cellophane. on, yeah, it would, yeah, put whatever you want, yeah, to you give you different you put color over the TV, and you pretend you were playing a different game. Basically, I'm driving now. Look, <laughs> I'm moving the car left and right. I'm bouncing my car along the walls. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty lame. I, I like this pilot for a learn or burn. Like he's got like he's got like, learn he's, or burn. Yeah, look at Turn and Burn, the mission, Learn or Burn. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's got a nice cop stash as he's getting into... No, he's not He's not making it up. He really means that. Yeah, I get it. He's got a nice cop stash as he's getting into his fighter jet. Nice. I mean, he kind of he looks like a, like a 30-year-old Alex Trebek. <laughs> looks like a... I like the way they're all welcoming. Yeah, Ron Burgundy back. takes flight is what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to send you all to the whale vagina in the sky. <laughs> yeah. What was his uh, dog's name? Wilson? That's going to kill me now. Oh, shit. What was... Anyways. So let's move through here. 
Uh, I guess so. I'm so far I'm digging uh, Turner Burns display a little better. Uh, as far as the uh, um, the view from ba- the cockpit, his his dog's name was Baxter. Baxter, there you go. Baxter's in the cockpit. <laughs> yeah, you got some nice uh, intro graphics from Turn and Burn. You know, you know, the first three Russians I shot down wasn't even me. I was a little mm-hmm. blitzed from the Mai Tai, but Baxter took the wheel and killed those Russians and made widows of their wives because he's a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, uh, they had this weird mission debrief thing where they're basically talking about the action from level to level as if it were um, some kind of log from from a flight. That's a weird way to right. Again, I I, I got to think they're just filling filling pages. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but hey, 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 now Top Gun has a nice little graphic of uh, you landing. And the top opening up, but nothing as close to uh, Ron Burgundy stepping out of the, stepping into the plane. <laughs> so <laughs> he just comes out. It's like I just killed thirteen men. That escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How's my hair? <laughs> All right, and then so the next game is Ultra Golf for the Game Boy, uh, which looks halfway decent. It's got uh, different courses here. Um, it says. Ultra Golf consists of two 18-hole courses. So it's got two courses to play through. It's got a top-down view, it looks like. Um, it doesn't really show you when you're hitting, though. It just shows the overhead. So um, I think that might have been just about all there was to it. Uh, normally they have some kind of shot of, like, the ball, you know, with, like, the here's the wind and and the distance and all that. Well, there's. It does say that, that you should watch the wind direction, but I'm not seeing any place that would. It just feels like they're missing a screenshot or two of actually like hitting the ball. <laughs> I know that John would get. It. I know that John would enjoy the last thing mentioned on the second page: stroke play. Mm. Yes. Stroke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stroke play um, special I down do, at uh, Spear Truckers. I do wonder. This, this, is, <laughs> this is probably one of the the the. The game link was pretty new at this point, I think. So you're doing head-to-head matches. So you can oh, the game, game link. They, I mean, it came with the game link cable. Yeah. And you could do it in Tetris. Yeah, I think I was relatively. Didn't, yeah, you could. Uh, not initially. Yeah, you could. It came with it. They just didn't have a whole lot of games that really? featured it. They started featuring more and more. The, like oh. once they figured out Game Boy was sticking around. Like, oh shit, this thing's like still here. Okay, let's use this feature more. Making a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Boggle Plus, which is uh, Boggle, but uh, to go, apparently, with a smaller board. So Boggle's like uh, Scrabble, right? Like a rip off of Scrabble? You know, I'm terrible at board games, so it's not a rip off of Scrabble so much as you get certain letters, and I guess it's a rip off <laughs> of Scrabble. You just make words Yeah, the only out of difference is you can stack the letters on top but, of other letters. So if you're playing Scrabble and you're like, yeah. oh, I wish I could just put my tiles on top of someone else's. Well, now you can. It's Boggle. Now you can. And I love the uh, computer components down here. Charles looks like the Charles <laughs> looks <laughs> like Colonel Sanders. Yeah, he does. Pearl looks like some kind of librarian. Like uh, Granny from uh, like <laughs> Jimbo is very yeah, Elvis. Pearl looks like Granny from Bugs from uh, Tweety and Sylvester. Yeah. Oh, she Hillary, Hillary, she Hillary, Hillary looks like Miss Cleo. 
No, she, no. she looks like um, what's that uh, famous uh, transvestite? Um, uh, oh, you have to narrow that down. Bunny? Bunny? Oh, Divine? N- no. Yeah. yeah, Divine. She played Bunny in, uh, I think, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, no, no, no. No. Divine was the uh, the one that uh, was the inspiration made- for Ursula <laughs> from uh, from Little Mermaid. Oh, it's killing me. Keep going to the next one. I'm going to look. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will point out that uh, looking at the crafty computer opponents, they actually look like uh, the people from the Clue <laughs> game. You know, if you combined Irving with Jim Boy, you'd pretty much get Roy Orbison. Oh. Madam Cleo, by the way, was from Seattle and was not uh, right. taken at all, by the way. Oh my god, next you're going to tell me she wasn't psychic either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was a telephone psychic after I left Nintendo, and I can tell you that was not a telephone psychic. <laughs> Hi, my name is Llewellyn, and I predict you're going to feel very enraged around the same time your phone bill comes in. Exactly. Um, I was, by the way, really excited to see Missile Command oh, on the next Oh, yeah. Um, You'd think that game, that should have been one of the first uh, Game Boy games because it's such a simple game. Yeah, simple game, and you get to play like that. Your good old favorite uh, Atari uh, Coleco. No, it wasn't on the Coleco. Was it on the Coleco? Missile Command must have been on several systems. I I remember, of course, being. It was one of the first trackball games we had games. Yeah, and so it only gets one page because it's really a simple game. Dame Edna. And you shoot them dead. There we go. Dame, Dame Edna. You should have sent famous Australian. I she was British. No, darling. No. She's a okay. Yeah, she really sounds British. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we took, we yes, took care of this command yes. while your brain Thank was you. on hold. I so. appreciate that. All right, with that, we're at the end of uh, the uh, section for Game Boy, and we're going to take a break midway just prior to the Super Mario Adventures, and we'll be back after the break. Um, so I'll go ahead and uh, give our information. If anyone would like to find us in between episodes, please reach out to us on Facebook. Just search for Playing With Power Podcast, or go on Twitter at GetThePower88. If you'd like to send us a few bucks, you can go to patreon.com slash playingwithpower. And if you'd like to be so kind as to go to iTunes and give us a review, just write a review and it'll help us get up in our rankings. I'd like to thank our guest, uh, Llewellyn, for appearing. Thank you very much, sir. Happy to be here. Anything you want to do you want to uh, promote or talk about? Uh, I do have a, a good story for the uh, second half, so I'll save, I'll save it for that and then I'll pop it over. All right. What a tease. All right. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Mike, did you have anything else? Uh, just uh, wanted to let our listeners know that we got a great treat coming for you for the uh, aniver- upcoming anniversary of our uh, the first year anniversary of our podcast. So keep listening for that. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, that's about. All right. Well, we'll keep them in suspense. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us. I'm Ben. I'm Mike. And now you're playing with power.
Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with power. Let me let me tell you that um, I did, in fact, um, train. I did pull a girl out of training and start dating her, and we ended up. You know, obviously we, we lived together and we slept together and whatnot. So one night I was up reading late, and she rolls over and in the middle of the night says, "Nintendo gameplay. This is how can I help you?" It goes right back to sleep. <laughs>